As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome everyone to All About All Elite for the week of February 23rd, 2019. In a moment where WWE has released four members of its roster. We will talk about all of that. We will talk about Ibushi who has gone on the record. About AEW, about New Japan Pro Wrestling. The return of um, the over-budget Battle Royal. We have a very compelling convince me segment today and we watched chris jericho versus kenny omega from wrestle kingdom 12 and as you all know on the back end mlw fusion the legacy series episode three we have a lot to get into so let's go ahead and do it ladies and gentlemen i am the lop mystic aka your one-man hype band and i am joined by my friend and co-host by god my learned colleague mr miz fan the brain. Greetings, Miz fan fans. I am indeed very excited about this episode today. I've been thinking about it all week, and I can't wait to jump into it. We got so much good stuff to talk about, and some of it really just uh, dropped within the last 24 hours. So, my friend, let's jump right in. I'm excited. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. 24 hours. Um, I was actually, when Miz fan called to do the show, I was still like looking at the news, still trying to figure out some opinions. Uh, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, Ty Dillinger, TJP, Tommy, Arn Anderson all released. This is a big deal. We'll go down the list of all of them, what we think about this. But it's weird that in the face of all these people who are being released, a lot of them asking for their releases, and we're talking about people all the way from the group that we mentioned, of course, to the Dean Ambrose rumors, the Randy Orton rumors, so on and so forth. But in the face of this, a very different response. I'm going to read some quotes. We'll start with Ibushi, and then we'll work our way back because this just stands out in the era, the moment that we are in right now. So Ibushi goes on the record, and here are some quotes of what he has said this week. He said, what I realized talking to AEW was I really don't care about money. He says he has not spoken to Kenny Omega since Russell Kingdom. He says... Um, if I went to AEW, it would be the end of my career. There wouldn't be anywhere else to go after. No step up, nothing left. I want to keep developing. He says, Kenny Omega wants to change the world with wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling is the best place to do this. He says, I really wanted to lay my cards out and shut down the what about Ibushi talk. And finally, he says, this is the last decision I will make in my career. I'll end with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So within all of that, there are parts that I may not necessarily agree with. There are parts that I maybe would not suggest him to have said so. 
um, so firmly, but I have nothing but respect for the quotes that he put out, for doing it early. There's something very unique about this. This is a man, it sounds like to me, that at least right now in this moment knows who he is, knows what he wants, and knows what path he wants to be on. And I'm not going to question the motives of everybody, but I'm also going to say that all these people who are upset with WWE because they're not getting creative moments, who want to be more creative, who want to be themselves, you didn't hear a lot of this before AEW met a billionaire. So I'm just going to put that out there because this is an exaggeration. Um, but you could almost wrestle one day in WWE, ask for your release, and probably go to Impact Wrestling as a WWE star and have a lot of freedom. Like you could go somewhere and have some freedom. Sure. So I'm just what we what we have to do. And what pray to God, pray to God that Cody and the others do is really get at the motives of all of these people because all motives are not going to be created equal. And just because AEW exists and is a billionaire doesn't mean you get to be on the roster. And some of them may not want to go to AEW. They won't, they may want to go somewhere else, and we'll get into that. But that was just my initial thoughts of just how the compare and contrast of this moment. Miss Van, that was just my little spiel. What do you think? Of Ibushi, you were actually mentioning him on the show already since we started. So what do you think about what's happening right now? Well, first of all, I want to say, yeah, I have huge respect for anyone um, who goes where they want, where they want to go, where they're going to feel most fulfilled. Um, you know, when Pac left the WWE, everyone was like, oh, man, he's got to be at All In. He's got to be in New Japan. Mm -hmm. He's got to be. Everyone wanted to tell him where to go. Where did he go? He went back to Dragon Gate, one of the companies that he truly loved at the bottom of his heart, one of the companies that developed him when nobody knew his name, and he's had a phenomenal run there in Japan, and that was really on nobody's mind, but he did it because he knew that's what he wanted to do, and if Ibushi feels that way about New Japan, so much the better for him. Good for him for defying expectation and going where he wants to be. Um, as far as... His stance, I, I'm surprised, honestly, that uh, he said the things he said, but, you know, he, he seems pretty clear-minded about it. Uh, Ibushi has always been kind of uh, a really hard-to-predict guy. He had many chances over the past uh, decade to sign with New Japan and to be an even bigger star than he was, but he always uh, wanted to be a freelancer. Um, of course, he was in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic, and they wanted him very badly after that. He didn't want to go with them either. He's been here and there, all around, just kind of doing whatever he wanted to do all this time. And now he wants to settle down with New Japan, kind of at the weirdest time. But, you know, like I said, more power to him. Uh, you know, they may want to make him a top star of that promotion. Um, you know, it may be something as simple as he doesn't want to come live in America. Because yes. that's one thing that, that, that was mentioned. Um, and that may be why he didn't want to come to WWE either. God, he's probably got a life in Japan. It's very easy for us to forget that wrestlers have lives that are not just about wrestling. You know, I'm sure he has family, friends, places he likes to go. Uh, people he likes to be around. So um, I do think this, 
We know, or at least we've been told, that Kenny Omega has a special deal that allows him to continue to work New Japan. And we know that possibly New Japan may partner with AEW in the future, maybe after the Madison Square Garden show, maybe farther down the line. We don't know, but it is a possibility. So I think one way or another, Ibushi and Omega will encounter each other sooner than Ibushi is maybe making it sound here. And I think, uh, you know, regardless of whether somebody's working or, you know, I don't like to get into that, but I think these comments, it's not the last we've heard of them. I think something more will come of these, and uh, I'm... uh, I'm looking forward to it. These are savvy people. They're talented people, and I think it's going to be good. It's very interesting because you cannot – Chris Jericho's relationship with New Japan is not Kenny Omega's relationship with New Japan. Right. And you can't trust anything Jericho says. But Jericho has just come out <laughs> recently and kind of talked about New Japan doesn't appreciate him. They don't understand his value. So, you know, we are in a moment where, as you said, there is this little gray area of – yeah, these AEW guys can work with New Japan, but does New Japan Pro Wrestling want them to work with them? Mm. You know, I don't know how I would feel because, like, what's to keep these guys from being in the locker room, like, trying to steal my talent? Mm. You know, so I think it's at least something to think about. And if they all go in to work together from an AEW standpoint especially, I'll be really happy because it'll mean better wrestling. But I kind of respect this, this short little moment we're in, whether, like you said, it's to Madison Square Garden or not where Ring of Honor and New Japan are not just falling in line. You know, they're not just, okay, so for us to exist, let's, let's make a deal. Like, no, we got our own companies, and just because you're leaving doesn't mean, like, we got to make all these decisions right now around you and what you're doing. So it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a, lot, there's a lot in the air right now, a lot to figure out. Yeah, for sure. And I think, really, ideally, they would be able to work together. But, you know, um, yeah, they don't have any obligation to be uh, upended either. Just like you said, you know, they have a right to uh, to survive on their own, to do everything they can to maintain themselves. So um, it's funny. I never thought about it before. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe New Japan did stay with Ring of Honor because they know Ring of Honor, you know, they don't really have the yeah. money or the guts to poach anybody. <laughs> so no. that's a little bit of a cynical take. Yeah, I don't know. Man, I, I might be a complete mark in this, but, like, I don't know if I would trust Chris Jericho in my locker room, because he does not seem like, you know, <laughs> whoever's paying him the money, you know, wherever his legacy is at the moment, I feel like he will he will do what it takes to, you know, to make to make things happen, and For so, sure, you gotta yeah. got be careful, you know, we know this, things, things can get, like, I want to see folks work together, but I also know from, from my past, from watching wrestling, especially in the 90s, that things can get very tricky very fast. So. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I assume every word out of Jericho's mouth at this point is a work, but that doesn't mean, I mean, he's working to his own benefit. So, yeah. you know, if it's a, if it has a purpose for him, then, you know, he'll do it, he'll say it. I believe it, you know. He's he's out to succeed, you know. That's why he succeeded in wrestling and in, in music, uh, a lot of things, kind of against all odds. So he's going to do what he's got to do. <laughs> yes, because I think Abushi the day after Wrestle Kingdom kind of let them know, you know, I'm not coming. So when were they talking about it in the build up to Wrestle Kingdom? Right. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, there's a lot of dynamics, and they all have to be considered. Um, I would never say never. That's just me personally. Sure. But maybe Abushi knows, you know. And also, if you're talented, nobody will care that you said this is the last decision you'll ever make. If they want you somewhere else, they'll they'll bring you in anyway. So what oh, does it all sure. mean anyway? I, I gotta think. He's what. Uh, 
mid-30s still, so he signed a two-year deal. His career isn't going to end in two years unless he wants it to or unless he, he has a lot of right. injuries that we don't know about. So, yeah, who knows what he might say. Like I said, I think Ibushi is just like a genuinely weird guy, and I say that affectionately because um, he's like definitely just following the beat of his own drum, uh, which is great, but it does mean like – I don't know. He could say something like this, and then, you know, it's not necessarily going to actually be his whole life. It's just how he felt in that moment. Um, or, I don't know, maybe he will sign, like, a 20-year deal with New Japan after this. So, God knows what could happen. I don't watch enough New Japan pro wrestling to be able to talk about this, but do you think he could be, like, their top guy or one of their top guys? It's possible. The thing about New Japan main title booking is it's incredibly conservative. There have only been like a really small handful of guys who've won that title uh, in the past, you know, within this decade. Um, I don't know if there's a space for Ibushi or not. I think by talent, he certainly could be. I think he's uh, as good as anyone who's in that spot and better than some. But... I don't know, like, Naito has been incredibly hot, and he had, like, a really short cup of coffee with the title, so, I don't know, they, the bookers there, they have their plan, they tend to stick with it, um, and I don't know if Ibushi's in that plan, so I really wouldn't take anything for granted. Okay, okay. It seems like outside of Ibushi, everyone seems to be willing to flee WWE, whether for AEW or somewhere else, all these uh, undercard guys, the people who don't make don't make the shows, or even some veterans possibly who are not happy. And so what we got this week, Ty Dillinger was kind of the center stage guy. He got released, and that was kind of by itself, and a lot of wrestlers responded. And then all of a sudden, the same like flow altogether came. Arn Anderson's been released. Um, TJP and Tommy have been released. So let us begin with Ty Dillinger, who... We covered together a little bit when we were doing NXT during the Bobby Roode <laughs> uh, run, the Perfect Ten gimmick. I did not know, um, and maybe I'm misspeaking here, but a former tag team champion in OVW with Cody Rhodes. Oh, was he? I didn't know that either. That may that may or may not be true. I didn't look it up. I saw it in the comments section. It's probably and true. <laughs> all it did for me was, if he came up, like. I was judging him as as kind of a rookie in NXT, and I still wasn't impressed. But if he came up at the same time as Cody Rhodes, then I, I don't know. He's way older than you think. He's 38. Yeah, so. <clears throat> okay, so let's get to what, let's get to, first of all, Dillinger, because he did come out kind of separately. A lot of WWE folks tweeting support for him, so it seems like uh, someone well-supported in the locker room. And then a, a tweet from Cody Rhodes. Cody tells us any promotion would be lucky to have Ty Thoughts on this, Mr. Misvan? Uh, well, Ty Dillinger leaving the WWE is probably the best thing if he's passionate about wrestling, uh, more so than passionate about his paycheck. Um, he was not going to go anywhere. Uh, any hype he had is long dead, so good for him betting on himself. Um, as far as him coming to AEW right off the bat, I honestly have no interest in that. He's not a guy who ever really clicked for me. Uh, everyone's talking about the value he has. I don't know. That must be some value that I haven't seen. Uh, unless they want to bring him in as like an undercard guy. They could put other people over. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see him above that level personally. But I don't, maybe he has some use backstage that I don't know about. Maybe he has some hidden talent I don't know about. I guess people who know him better will have to make that call. But for me, 
I would let him work somewhere else first and see how he does. And, you know, if he recreates some of the buzz he had before, maybe he'll be a good pick down the line. That That is very interesting because I am creating another AEW rule that is quite, quite along those lines in just a <laughs> moment. But I want to ask your opinion. Uh, ranking them one to three, Ty, uh, TJP, and Atami, who would you take first? If you were AEW, if you were to take one, who would you take second? Who would you take third? Oh, God. I got to be honest. I don't want any of them. <laughs> okay, good. I, 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 don't, I didn't know who you – like, I don't. I barely know these guys. Tommy was also uh, – we covered him, you know, so I saw him a little bit. I thought I, – I was not impressed with him or Ty ever, not one time. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on the record because people get mad. People want you to take a stance and stand by it the rest of your life. Any one of these guys could come to AEW, and I could be – Deeply impressed with them if they impress me. Hmm. But I'm talking about what I've seen and I'm talking about what I know. Covered it, Tommy and Ty, and I, I was like, whatever, you know, both of them, whatever. Don't care. Not doing anything <laughs> for me. I would like to see Ty Dillinger without the stupid Perfect Ten thing because it was so overwhelming. Um, <laughs> it was obnoxious, but I mean, to his credit, it, it it did have buzz at one point. Like people were genuinely excited about this. It seemed like WWE didn't really even make the slightest effort to do anything with it. So I can understand how that's very frustrating as a wrestler. So, but these gimmicks, even Bobby Roode's glorious. Like, yeah, is is the person over or is the gimmick over? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not always the same thing. So it's hard to say, but yeah, a TJP, I am also, I have not watched him, but I don't see how you couldn't get 10 of him somewhere else. And (laughs) yeah. And honestly, I like TJP as a wrestler. I like him in the ring. Um, but, yeah, this is a guy who came up, he won the Cruiserweight Classic, um, sort of by default because kind of the guys they wanted more didn't sign. And that's not even really a slam on TJP, but uh, he just wasn't the guy people were most excited about. And then he really just kind of went down from there. And I don't know if that's even really his fault, but honestly, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's, there's kind of a has-been feeling around him. So he's another guy, like – Go work somewhere else, you know, if you get hot again, sure, come to AEW, but AEW shouldn't be a place to reheat ice-cold WWE acts. That's a fucking quote. We need to pull that out and write that down so that we, we can bring that back. <laughs> that, 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 oh, God. He went off on Twitter on the 18th responding to a bunch of fans just ranting about his situation and wanted to mention him to AEW, and he said, if it were up to me, never. I'm doing everything I can to succeed on the team I always wanted to play for. Mm. So, you know, give him his wish. <laughs> uh, the AEW rule that I wish that they would impose, no more than one in five or one in ten wrestlers at a time from WWE can be picked up. And then the rest, and you've said it already twice, the rest of them, I wish they would just put out a public statement saying something to the effect of, um, these guys really should take a year or two and work some promotions and get to know themselves, you know, and get to, and and really do the things that you said, and then maybe we'll give them a look, something sure. like that. Because they're not. This is not. You're right. It's not a fucking microwave. We're not going to heat <laughs> you up, you know. We're not going to defrost you. We're not going to do whatever we need to do and have some weird, half hot, half melted meal that ends up making you vomit. That's not what we're here for. So something needs to stop this rumor meal. Maybe. AEW benefits from it because it gets their name out there, but it's just so bothersome to think that everyone who's disgruntled just has a right 
you know, bottom of the barrel WWE guy can go be world champion in AEW. I'm hoping that's not what what we're running here. And we'll see. Lots of people, lots of people making moves. A lot of these guys wanted their release. They got their release. There's a lot of promotions. They may not even be thinking about AEW, but that's what we're covering. So that's what we're talking about. When Cody left the WWE and imagine if he had just gone somewhere and been like world champion the next day, man, no, no, he did work uh, over the last two years that justifies, you know, where he is now more so than his WWE career did. Um, So yeah, man, do that legwork, take a year or two. Um, I don't know if you're going to ask about him, but I just want to mention for Itami, um, I think uh, Kenta is one of the finest in-ring performers of the 2000s. However, I do think he was physically cooked even when WWE Mm -hmm. signed him several years ago. And I just, uh, I don't think he's got it. I don't want to see him come in and be like, oh, I'm like before, I could do all my own moves. But actually, no, you're broken and you're hurting Mm -hmm. yourself and stop it, please. So that's my feeling on it, Tommy. Okay. We were just told we will see Kenta again soon, so we'll find out. I think I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but I heard that part of him getting his release was him agreeing, like, not to work AEW. I think he's planned to just go back to Japan and do something Good. there. So, yeah, honestly, best thing for him. Um, honestly, I think it'll probably be even harder for him to succeed over there. Uh, but maybe he can just skate by on his name, because, yeah, physically, I don't know. I don't think he's got it anymore. I think... Uh, the style he wrestles is too punishing, and I think, um, you know, he's uh, he just seems like he's in very rough shape physically, so we'll see. I do believe that there is one name in the four that we both want AEW to pick up immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. What are your thoughts on the release of Arn Anderson? Oh, I don't know who, unless he asks for it. Uh, or unless he has some problem, which is stopping him from contributing. I don't yeah. know these things because I don't know Arn's life, so I leave lots of room for that. But, man, if they just let him go because they were like, eh, we don't need Arn Anderson anymore, then, man, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard because mm. everybody always needs Arn <laughs> Anderson forever, and AEW should sign him immediately. And if he's up to it, if he's willing, they should put him on screen and let him talk like he hasn't done in 20 years. And if he's not up to that, I don't care if he's a producer, if he's a consultant, something. But, man, if you can't benefit from the input of Arn Anderson, then you should just close your wrestling company and go away. We are, uh, again, strangely on the same page on every note. <laughs> even though we have, Because my first thought was, Maybe he's done something that will come out that's like, oh, God, sorry to hear that. Sucks that he behaves like that. Mm. But we, it hasn't come out yet, and nothing's coming out. I've been checking checking by the hour because usually you get a follow-up with why. Uh, we've gotten none. It makes no sense. The thing that triggers my curiosity is the fact that we're, we're having this big 70th birthday party for Flair, I think, on Raw. Mm. And you're releasing Arn Anderson right before it. That is super weird, yeah. I hadn't even thought that maybe, yeah, I don't, there could be something unsavory, I guess, but I, I, I haven't heard a single thing about that. I haven't either. I'm just saying that we're, we are covering this very early, so what we're covering is based on what we know. Hmm. And so, why do you release him? Or maybe he's old and he doesn't want to work anymore, you know? True, yeah. Maybe could something be. like that, but man, if it is, because the, the one rumor is a little bit kind of coming out, is that WWE wants more young blood back there. Mm. I think, like, Jeff Jarrett was used as evidence for that, but uh, 
<laughs> you know, oh. world we live in. Uh, if this was a WWE decision, it's just one another just fuck you from me to them. Because Arn Anderson is brilliant. Arn Anderson is weird because before I even imagined this as a possibility, I had already thought AEW needs Arn Anderson. Because there's one other person. There's one person I would put before Arn Anderson that would be interesting to work uh, with AEW in some capacity. That would be Dusty Rhodes. And that can't happen. Of course, yeah. (laughs) So short of that... It's Arn Anderson. Cody Rhodes immediately tweets what Arn Anderson, what Arn Anderson meant to his career, what Arn Anderson did for him, and I am very stunned. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe it's not being posted because nobody cares about Arn Anderson. I don't know, but I'm not seeing like this outpouring of um, wrestler response like you get for a Ty Dillinger. Uh, Rusev uh, might have been the only one that I've seen. I don't know if I can pull this up or not, but um, let's see. Arn Anderson has been let go from WWE. I do not have it at the moment, but he tweeted about what Arn Anderson has done for his career, uh, how much he has meant for his career. And then I was reading the comment section right before you called, and people, people were talking about, I used to like this guy, but he's become an egotistical jerk just doing whatever he wants to do in, in context to him tweeting that Arn Anderson tweet. So I don't I don't know anymore. I don't know what you're judged for and why, but there it is, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, if you want. Uh, like I said, it could be something we don't know, but yeah, it puts me in mind of, uh, you know, Owen Hart was the only wrestler to thank Bobby Heenan on his way out of the company, wow. so maybe sometimes people are just not appreciated the way they should be, or I don't know, maybe WWE for some reason said, hey, don't tweet about Arn Anderson. You know, it wouldn't be the first time. They micromanaged other people's tweets to either say something or not say something. So there you yeah. go. So it could be anything, but barring barring the the things we don't know, if Arn Anderson is is one fourth as good at doing what he's done the last eighteen years with WWE um, as he was at what he did in the ring and on the mic, you have to have him there. And I am desperately. Looking for representation of Cody's vision for the company because everywhere I look, I see Brandy's vision for the company. Everywhere I look, I see the Young Bucks vision for the company. But there's also this Cody Rose sports centric, uh, old school WCW early 90s vision. And that's the one I see the least represented. Um, bringing in Arn Anderson would go a long way to appease uh, that in me. So. Props to Arn Anderson, who worked 18 years, I think, with WWE. Mm-hmm. Still completely an NWA, WCW guy to me, and hopefully uh, we'll hear from him eventually. Mm-hmm. The man wants to retire. You know, good, good riddance, good riddance, buddy. <laughs> you know, go, go spy and bust. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, go enjoy your retirement. You are one of the greatest of all time. I don't know. I don't know why you're not going to be at Flair's birthday, or maybe you will. Who the hell knows? But... If you are still interested in this war, man, AEW and Arn Anderson is just the perfect combination. We shall see. Uh, It sounds great to me. And like I said, man, if he's willing, put him on that television, man, because you can't tell me he can't still cut a promo. I don't care if he's your, um, 
your uh, Jack Tunney, or if he is managing somebody, or God, he could just like sit in a corner for five minutes every show and just talk about anything on his mind, and I'd be happy about that. Any contribution you can have from Ron Anderson, in my mind, is going to be great. If you want to be an old man who rants at what the sport has become, I would watch that. Yeah, sure. He can do the Jim Cornette thing, except better, probably. So. Yeah. I'd also be... I would like to see him, if he's going to be a manager, I would just like to see him come out and just be dismayed <laughs> at how people just don't hurt people like they used to. And they don't know how to take advantage of people like they used to. And they don't know how to – and just just have him salivating and just missing, like, the worst tendencies of pro wrestling <laughs> and have him try to bring them all together in a stable. Uh, imagine if, uh, like was rumored a while ago, the Revival try to come over and yeah. uh, you get them and Arn together. Man, that that's one thing that I would love to see. So, I don't know, maybe. They could have done so much more. One of the images that one of the websites uses to cover his release mm-hmm. is one I've not seen before where he and Bobby Roode are standing in the bag mm-hmm. holding up the Four Horsemen sign. And, man, it was just like, God damn, you, didn't, you couldn't do anything with anybody, could you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missed out so, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see him on TV. In five minutes, like you said, just give him five minutes to talk, whatever. One of the best. Um, we won't talk about this long, but... I, we live in a world where I'm still trying to catch up and understand, and it blows my mind. I don't think I can step back far enough. Even though I'm doing an AEW show, it blows my mind that there's there's been no pushback to the fact that Young Bucks, Cody Rose, Kenny Omega, all offer seven figures from WWE. That's what's put out there. Mm. Nobody refutes it. Um, I'm sure it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Creative deals for some of them, possibly. That they don't usually give out. You know, if you can stand back and think about this, and they'll never have this moment again, I don't think. They might come to WWE, but after a failed AEW, I don't think they get the same offer. Mm. So the rumor was big time offer for the Bucks, some creative control. If you're not happy in six months, you can leave the company, reportedly. Well, that's what's reported. Um, and then we'll do what. <laughs> We'll do a WrestleMania 35 invasion angle. And reading that, is that Dave Meltzer being wrong again? Is that him using his imagination and that's what he can think of? Or did WWE offer it? And I really started to think it doesn't matter which one it is. Because the most edgy, creative, imaginative thing that we could think of, whether we as Meltzer or WWE is one more invasion angle. And to me, that's not very edgy. It's not very creative, and WWE does them really, really poorly. Is there any is there any wonder what would happen? They would invade, and it would be done poorly, even in its height, but then Triple H would come down off the mount as a warrior <laughs> and like destroy all of them and get one more feather in a cap that only he seems to really you know, be counting. And it just hit me in that moment. Whatever AEW does, we need new storylines. We need to learn how to imagine differently. We are on this this kind of forever memory of what could have been, what was, and it all runs in one sequence. And it is just time. It is time to do things that are meaningful, that matter, so that we don't 
every time we reach for something, we're not reaching 10 or 20 years back to try to do something that we've already done in order for that, it to be a big deal because we thought that was a big deal. So just so weird stuff on the table that I wanted to bring up that possibly was true, possibly not. Uh, Young Bucks offered an invasion angle with WWE. Well, honestly, I don't really doubt for a minute that at least that was one idea that was floated out there. So I, I don't see any reason to doubt Meltzer in this case, uh, simply for the fact that if you asked uh, just the casual fans um, what they would like to see, probably a lot of them would have said Invasion Angle too, because you're right, even though WWE typically doesn't even do them well, everybody always wants to see them. And, you know, I agree, they're kind of tired, they're not really executed um, very well in most cases, but I don't know, yeah? If, if they had all gone to WWE... I have no doubt that they would have had some success. Uh, Kenny Omega could have easily gotten kind of an AJ Styles sort of spotlight where, you know, he's important in the company. He succeeds. They they invest in him to some extent. The Young Bucks probably would have been tag team champions. Hangman Page probably could have been NXT champion, you know, all this stuff. And it might have been really good for their bank accounts. Um, but, man, I'm glad that none of that happened. Um and even though, yeah, you're right, if AEW struggles or if they flop, no, they're not getting any deals like this again. Um, uh, but it just means so much more to wrestling, I think, that you have these guys and they say, no, we're not going to take these deals as good as they are because it's not the most important thing to me. We're going to bet on ourselves and try to make history. We're going to try to make a mark that we could never make in the WWE, and uh, we're going to see what happens. So uh, I'm glad for them. I'm glad it went the way it did. And uh, regardless of what happens, I hugely respect that they made a choice like that. Yeah, people are just so WWE-centric in their thinking that, oh, they hit this one opportunity. They, they, they're making the money they would have made, so the money thing is right. not even on the table. So what you're really saying is they're not going to get there. This, this is the train of thought. That your career your career only matters if you did something on a WWE stage, and that's a real thing out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, it's as it's as absurd as me getting in my worst WWE hatred and being like, well, just go, I'm not even gonna do it. But going to the other extreme, that does not make sense. And the, the locker room would have been so poisoned. I don't. So the, the the plan for Hangman was to get main event money to be a star in NXT. That wouldn't have been problematic with anybody. These guys coming in and getting this kind of money and this kind of push would not have been problematic. I, I have a hard time believing um, it wouldn't have been. And the bottom line is, whether it succeeds or fails, Cody Rhodes has a phrase he used for himself and now he uses it for AEW stars. He uses it in the Road to um, Double or Nothing video, which we will cover in the next segment. He talks about Kind of, um, I forget the exact phrase, but doing stuff to your own music. And that's a literal thing in that you can actually pick your theme music. And it's a metaphorical thing in that, like, he, he enters the ring how he wants to enter the ring. He moves as how he wants to move. He says what he wants to say, and he lives or dies by it. And whether it's the being the elite videos, whether it's the friends coming together, whether it's what they did in all these promotions, everything they did was kind of the entrepreneur, the... We are doing this on our own. This is a creative thing that we are doing, sink or swim. And WWE has too often been able to take what other people are succeeding on, swallow it up, and then 
kind of faded out. And I am glad that these guys have done what they have done. Let the chips fall where they may, but a mentality that only one person and one promotion can make you matter, that is wrong on so many levels, and that's scary. This is why we don't do things. This is why we don't try. You don't need to be anointed from on high to make an effort in your life. And that's what these guys are doing, and more power to them. Yeah, most definitely. I have seen too many people who were red hot everywhere in the world that they went go to WWE and mean nothing in six months to to really be interested in seeing that possibility. And it doesn't even happen to everyone, but I feel like it's the rule rather than the the exception. Um, And the few that escape are... Are, are few and far between. So, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm glad it went the way it did, and I'm more more excited about the future than I would have been otherwise. I do think Kenny Omega had the best chance, like you said. Cody, I have no idea how they ultimately would treat him because God knows there's reasons to doubt. Yeah. And the Young Bucks, you know, eventually you're going to be the Young Bucks again if you go to WWE. So I think they, they definitely made the right choice. Right. Uh, so, yeah, here we are. And what we're moving into is we have these short four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, um, road to double or nothing videos being put out. And we're we're not covering all of them, but this one is big enough. It breaks news and it has narratives. And we learn about three wrestlers. Okay. Let me back up again. It breaks news. We learn about three wrestlers, and we get another an additional storyline. Four, six things happen in eight minutes, and it's done really well. And we're going to talk about it. Cody Rose tells us that 40,000 people tried to get tickets for Double or Nothing, so perhaps they need a bigger building. Then he announces the news. We are going to see the return of the over-budget Battle Royal. We saw that at All In this time. There will be an, an incentive for winning, which he cannot tell us about. And he talks to us about how it's much more important um, for someone who has not had a chance to get a chance. And that is kind of the the narrative that leads us into three three stories. One from Sonny Kiss, one from Sabian, one from Cutler. Uh, where do you want to jump in, Miss Fan, before we just go on a linear uh, sprint? Do you want to... Um, sure. Well, I'll go by the questions that you sent okay. over to me originally. The first one is, does the first over-budget Battle Royal stand up next to any match on All In? And uh, for me, the answer is yes. That was my favorite match, actually, from All In. I love seeing the variety of talent. I love the fact that they invested really heavily in making this Battle Royal way more than just, like, an average Battle Royal. Like Cody was saying, like, hey... You know, the Battle Royal, sometimes people just, like, might take a a bathroom break during this match, but we wanted to put on, like, the best Battle Royal we could. And they did that. They told stories in the Battle Royal. They used characters in the Battle Royal. I love that match, so I'm really glad it's coming back. I like that he acknowledged it's not really over budget anymore, but I really like hearing the story about uh, how that match kind of came about, how they got this extra hour, and they're like, hey, let's, you know, let's do it. Um, I hadn't heard that before. Um, so, uh, however it came about, it was my favorite match on the show when all was said and done, and I'm, I'm glad they're having another one. 
Interesting. I was not a big fan of the over uh, budget, but also I was watching it live, and I was kind of, I think I was finding my seat during part of it. Sure, know, sure. Trying to, it's the hardest time I've ever had. I don't know if it was me or them, but it's the hardest time I've ever had to find my seat in my area oh. uh, at a wrestling <laughs> show. But, you know, eventually we got there, and then I was greeted by my neighbor who was going to be my friend oh, for the next three hours. So. <laughs> I feel like you had a lot of other things coloring your experience. Yes, I, don't know, I do like. chance. Maybe go back and watch it. You might have a different feeling watching it uh, from the comfort of a seat you know is yours with nobody annoying with, like, the commentary. Now you kind of know some of these people a little more, maybe. I don't know. Maybe yes. give it a shot. I also think with so many weeks left, we may end up watching some of All In as well. So you never know. Never know. Um, I like that the kind of premise is there are a lot of guys that, you know, whether we're going to go a long way with or not, they deserve to be on the show. And we put it together. We got them, in the, you know, got them on the show. So that's nice. I'm already way more invested in this one because there is an incentive, which matters to me. Storyline matters to me. Shocker. And, you know, he puts forth the narrative that this is for people who either have never had an opportunity or they had one and it didn't work out. And it's just it's so expertly done because then we go right into three people telling those stories. For sure. And already I care, you know. So it feels like their goal. God, I we talk about so much bullshit because yeah, you you get to feel the show number one and number two. That's what's out there. But like what they're doing has so much potential. I can be so down because I, sometimes I think nine out of ten things about this company are things I do not like. And I'll talk about this uh, in the, some of the matches, uh, the Jericho match later. Um, but Cody Rhodes, by God, Cody Rhodes is a '90s '90s baby like me. Like he he is pointing, he is he's gesturing at the same things I gesture to. And man, this is just how you tell a story. You get these, you get these quick sit-down videos, and like, okay, let's just do it. We'll talk about all three, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Sunny Kiss is first up. Um, Sunny Kiss says um, that at the beginning, being gay, it was a limitation. It was like 2013. He's trying to break into the business. Doesn't even know if he's gonna be a wrestler or not. You know, this is like I'll give it. A, I'll give it a shot. I'll try this thing. And he talks about building confidence. When he built confidence in himself, that started to transfer. And now he actually says that it's actually a benefit to him. And there's a lot of people coming after him who look to him. So you're getting this. You're getting this kind of. Ah, I like the layers in this. It's not just one thing. It can be one thing and another. And so I like the story that he's telling. He's not a rookie, um, but this is kind of this is kind of that um, all eyes on me. Like this is my moment. I'm aware I'm being given an opportunity. The stage is getting bigger, and people are watching me. And this battle world could that could be that moment. What do we think, Miss Van? Well, um, I, uh, I I've already talked about how I like Sonny Kiss. I liked what I saw in Lucha Underground. Um, I think he's got a lot of uh, potential, and I think he. Um, also serves as a, kind of a symbol, and hopefully not a token, but at least a symbol of how inclusive um, the company is trying to be. So I think he's important on a, a number of levels. I think he does have star potential. Um, I really like this video. I like getting to know more about him. Um, and this and kind of all the videos make me feel better about the fact that, you know, AEW is most likely going to be introducing people to wrestlers for the first time a lot. And I think videos like this are really going to be key um, to that. So, yeah, he came out and he just kind of told his story. 
and uh, we got to know him a little bit, and he wasn't like, I must get that incentive, or I'm going to beat up every, you know, not, it was yeah. nothing really kind of generic. It was, like, very personal. Um, yeah, and I, I liked it a lot. Um, you know, it puts me in mind of the first one. There actually was an incentive. It was to get on the show. It was to get a Ring of Honor championship match. Oh, yeah, there was. Yeah, right. yeah. So, so it really, it, it's a similar situation, but it's maybe even more a little high stakes, because now we don't know what it was, and... Uh, Makes me nostalgic for uh, the unique opportunities of Lucha Underground. But, yeah, no, I'm excited to see who takes it away. Yeah, people get bad, I think, at mysteries now. Or, like, you know, like, we're not going to tell you immediately. Oh, God, how dare you? You're not being transparent. You know, we're not business partners. We're fans. You know, this is a story. They're, they're teasing something big to come. Um, I will be, It'll be interesting for me as I try to uh, publicly figure out how I feel about some of this. Because for me... I don't want to see virtue signaling all the time, and I'm hoping that's not what I'm going to get. I want to see these people, Sunny Kiss. It's remarkable. There, there is, there is a remarkable element because he is not like anybody. And whether that, whether that was difficult then, and it's a benefit sometimes. You know, how the fuck do you do that at the beginning? Because nobody's doing that, and I can only imagine the hostility you're gonna get. Brandy Rose worries me a little bit because I feel like every time she does an interview, it's just virtue signaling like, oh, we're going to do this. It's going to be like this. Well, just fucking do it. You run the company. If you want equal pay, <laughs> do equal pay. You don't have to just say it every time. So for me, I will be more um, I will be more immersed in this if you get me into storylines that I believe, whether that includes this stuff or not, instead of just like, don't, just don't preach to me. I don't need to be preached to. And then so what I saw here, when it was first Sunny Kiss, I was like, is this is going to be what he does, but then it's everybody. So Sabian is going to tell us his story, same way Kiss does. Cutler's going to do the same thing. And when I saw that, I'm like, fuck yeah, that I can get with. Because I like Sonny Kiss's story, but that's his story. It's not just, hey, you know, look at us doing a thing. Cody pops his head in. Look what we're doing. This is AEW. Get out of the frame. Let the man tell his story. Let the man work. Let's see what he can get done. Cutler does the same thing. Cutler's story moved me, too. Sabian was just kind of a, uh, he's more of, I don't want to say generic, but Sabian was kind of like, you know, you don't know my name, but after it, you're going to know my name. <laughs> so that was more of the wrestler being like, hey, I'm going to get my opportunity. Uh, what do you think about Sabian? Well, I can't blame a wrestler for doing a wrestling kind of promo. But you cannot. I got to say, I've seen Sabian wrestle. And, man, he's a natural heel, so I don't know what all this is about. Oh, I've worked really hard. I want to do yeah. well. You'll remember I, I don't think that's who Sabian is, so um, at least not, like, as a character. So I think you might see something very different when he actually comes to the ring, um, which is good. I'm, I'm more interested in that than kind of what he was doing in the video here. Yeah, it's him sitting on a – you know, it was, no, it wasn't bad, but, you know, with, with Sonny Kiss telling his story and Cutler telling his story, it was a little bit – um. Is a little bit lacking to me, but I liked his tornado DDT. I think that he did or something. There's something yeah, in the video. He looked cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like Sabian when I've seen him. Um, I like Cutler too. What a weird story he has. Yeah. To, yeah. To be like successful in like 2010 and then like stop wrestling for like seven years. Just and now you're back. You know, it's so good for you though. I I liked him then. I think uh, you know I don't know what his ceiling is now, but I think it's nice that he's back. He's doing some cool stuff. Yeah, I met the Young Bucks in their backyard in 2000. Yeah. At the beginning of his narrative. Yeah. We story. went up to the Indies together for a for a while. Mm. So basically, they succeeded and he did not. And he started thinking, "You're not good enough." So he left wrestling. 
seven years. He wanted a family. He said he'd rather have a family than be a professional wrestler. He made that happen. Uh, but now his wife made the gear for seven wrestlers at All In, and they could do more with this story. If you really, if I was a heel man and I faced this guy, like, you're you're not one of the guys. You're the guy who tries on the guy's clothes after your wife makes the clothes for us. You know, he's he's posing in the Young Bucks outfits. You know, woohoo, good deal. But you know what? You gotta get you gotta do something because I was compelled by your story. But your story also tells me maybe you're not good enough. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, he's in this weird space that, well, you know, are you going to use the narrative to elevate yourself? Or is the narrative really just kind of the truth about where you're going to go? So, <laughs> you know, all three of these guys, there are question marks on them, and that's what it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, yeah, I thought they were cool. They were all a little different. I liked them a lot. Um, I do want to say just briefly um, – you and I, uh, we always talk about it for our own health. We don't always agree, like, soci- socially, yes. all that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I don't know how I feel about virtue signaling, but I will say I strongly agree. Do it rather than say it. You know, don't just stand there and, like, talk about, oh, we have so many kids, blah, blah, blah. You know, okay, whatever, sure. But just, yeah, tell the right stories. Do the right things. You know, you, you don't have to talk about it not all the time necessarily. Um, so definitely get where you're coming from with that. And, yeah, I think execution is going to tell us a lot. Because they made a thing, it's like, oh, it's for everyone, it's all inclusive. Okay, great, you said it. You know, now do it in a meaningful way. Do it in a way that's helpful and not just, you know, self-glorifying. So I, I, I feel like I get, at least to some extent, where you're coming from with that, and, and I would tend to agree. Yeah, I definitely know um, I'm an aware human being. I know that I am not on the popular side of this uh, conversation, but I'm not on the popular side of any conversation that has to do with current pro-wrestling. So, you know, get in there and do something, because I... I just don't know, like, if you want to pay wrestlers, for example, you know, the same amount, I'm all for that. But, you know, you know, especially what she's talking about is at the entrance, when they come in, you're not going to pay, okay, here's a wrestler, here's a male wrestler, who we, we have no idea what his ceiling is, so we'll start him at, let's say, 500000 which I don't know what they pay him, but here's a here's a female, we don't know her, so we'll start her at 150000 That makes no sense. Right. But also, you got the money, so, you know, do it. Do it. Like, if it's five, six promos or interviews, just do it. Do it, and then other people can report on it. So it's complicated because it's hard these days because you're either a right-wing Nazi or a left-wing uh, social justice warrior. There's no space in between that. I find myself liberal on almost every social issue, but I don't know that I like some of the authoritarian ways they get handled, no more than down to right. But this is pro-wrestling. It's an inclusive environment. So we'll see what happens. Get, let them get out there and work I've seen. Sunny Kiss, you know, he's. I know what to expect. Um, the women's division, we're going to talk about that. I will tell you this. This is what week, I don't even know, week four of our show? Week five? Yeah, five, I, I think. We have, to me, by far the most compelling matches in the Convince Me segment that I've seen the entire time. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> no, it's, not even, it's not even a conversation. So, you know, I'm excited for a lot of things, but just let's do it the way we would do anything. Let's put them on. And let's tell good stories, whatever those stories will be. And we all can leave happy wrestling fans. We'll yeah, see. yeah, that's the most important thing to me. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of history in wrestling of, you know, 
crappy stuff in women's division, crappy stuff with wrestlers who publicly or privately uh, were, you know, homosexual or different in some way. So, yeah, I mean, I understand. Maybe you want to speak to some extent against that. But, yeah, most importantly, you're right. Tell the stories. Just include everyone by including them, by doing it, you know. So that that's what I'm looking for most of all. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for it. Uh, Cody Rhodes ends the show. This is interesting, the way he moved. Uh, you know, he's, I, I am Cody Rhodes telling a story. I am telling you about this match. I am Mr. Executive. I am producer. And then he's in the, he's in the, uh, office and he's looking at Jericho. We covered the promo. Chris Jericho did an actual heel promo. I was like, oh my God, I forgot what it's like for someone being character. And then <laughs> that heel promo is embedded in the video and Cody Rhodes is watching it and Jericho's going off about how you don't really have Jericho. You don't have uh, Cody to think. You don't have the Young Bucks to think. He sold it out in four minutes by himself. Cody looks very disgusted. Like, what What have I done? Who have I brought in here? And then, uh, so just give me a second. What do we think? What do we think, Miss Van? Um, I really liked it. Uh, I hope, I hope, and I don't think they are. I really hope they're not like, oh, man, Jericho's shooting, and now Cody's mad. Like, I don't want to know about that. But, yeah, yeah. just as far as, like, if we're just looking at this in terms of the characters and everything, man, I love it. Because, yeah, what, what I wanted, really, from all this, I want more conflict. You know, I want something yeah. that is more going to feed into future wrestling storylines. I want Cody, like, the, the, the guy who's trying to build this new world to be annoyed by this 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 old star who's coming in. He's trying to big-time everything who's saying, oh, I'm the only reason you got a TV deal. Every TV mm. executive knows who Chris Jericho is. You know, I said that stuff was all working. When he said it, because it's ludicrous. No TV executive knows who Chris Jericho is. I'm sorry, it's just not true. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of this. I'm getting more excited about Jericho than I've been since he was wearing a suit and calling people troglodytes. I think I might have said that before, but nice. it's more true every week. So um, this is way more exciting to me than when he came into New Japan a couple years ago. Because what I want from Jericho. I've never, honestly, even been that huge a fan of Chris Jericho, the wrestler. You know, he's good. I don't know if he's as good as people try to say he is, but give him a character, a heel character, that he could sink himself into, and, man, he will create magic, and I think he's about to do it again. Man, well, there are there are some things that we, we might as well just... One person can take all the notes, and then we have these <laughs> separate notes, because... I had to have a complicated conversation because I love that. I, I think it's as far away from the kind of shoot as you can get. It was Jericho in character, and it felt like more to me is like, oh my god, like because we, you know, we know Cody is part of is, is is an executive. That's part of the show, you know, and like oh, you know, it it felt like that first moment of all that stuff that I got warned about, like egos and bullshit. Like I may, I may have, like I may have hired a monster. This guy is telling lies. This guy might be unhinged, and it's it's fucking personal because I know the effort I put in, and you come in the last minute, and now it's all about you. You know, I can feel a lot of potential, like you said, conflict there, and I like Jer, I like Jericho as a heel, but we're not just talking about Jericho doing promos today. We're talking about a lot of things. We're gonna talk about a, a um, Meltzer. Uh, five-star match that I watched for the first time. And I have a lot of things to try to figure out because I would not call it a five-star match. <laughs> All right, I need you 
to talk about this first, because you have a much fresher perspective than I do. I saw this match when it happened. I've been colored with my opinions about Omega and about Old Man Jericho and all this stuff. So you you need to talk about this match first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Okay, I'm trying to figure it out as I go, because I think this might be the second match I've ever watched Kenny Omega, because I ordered a Wrestle Kingdom way back, and he was somewhere in the mid-card. I don't know if I even paid attention to him. Um, yeah, probably wrestling Kushida. I remember, oh, wow, Kenny Omega, he's sure the best at, like, whipping himself around um, or something like that. Like, you're yeah. impressed with how, how fast he could, like, jump off and start running. And that's that's all I remember you saying about Kenny Omega. That's a good memory because what I came away with this is I really like – I like Kenny Omega's – I like how he snaps off his offense. Hmm. So, I guess – no, I have no memory in my life, but I guess I, I don't change at the same time. But it reminded me of any other match that you would give me, except for, like, the names are bigger. You know, it's not long before somebody gets kicked, and they not only fall out of the ring, but then they run the space of the outside, jump over the guardrail, and fall into the crowd. And then Kenny Omega's going to jump in there. He's going to do a flip. He's going to land through a table. Is this a no disqualification match, or is this just how wrestling matches are there? Uh, I can't remember if it was official or not, but yeah, they okay. tend to let stuff go if if it's a big match. So okay. it's kind of six and one, half a dozen of the other. Very much a little attitude era is outside. We just walk around for a while and use all the, the props out there. It's basically Jericho dominating. I don't like... Oh, God, I'm not doing this. I feel like I gave it a three. Three stars. <laughs> Two and a half being average. I kept going in between two and a half and three because, number one, it's, it's what I expect. I don't know Kenny Omega, and I haven't watched Jericho in New Japan, and the match is kind of exactly what I would have imagined it to be. Mm. So uh, Jericho's going to get the camera and take pictures of himself. They're going to do all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. Trying to, I, I kept thinking about Bret Hart a lot in, in these matches, and yeah, I'd have to go back and watch them. They're different eras, different genres. But does this match feel better than, like, I feel like Brett could do this in the mid-90s. Like, he could wrestle a match this good or better in any match that he went out there and wrestled. So it's hard for me because I don't see psychology at all in any of this. And if that's part of what I judge on, then what do I what do I do with that? Um, what do I have written here? Do I, can I even like pro wrestling matches with the, people who wrestle today and how the matches are constituted. So that's one question I asked myself. I gave Jericho two points, and I took one point away um, throughout the whole match. Two things impressed me they did the whole time. He did pretty much everything in the match. Um, see if I can find them. I find this is a so-so match I wrote somewhere. No psychology. Uh, Omega. I don't know. Um, a lot of, I was questioning about whether there was no DQ or not, trying to understand, because sometimes the referee gets knocked out and then they do stuff, but sometimes they're just doing it in front of him. Sometimes, I, don't, I didn't, I didn't understand the rules. I didn't know the context, because I don't know the feud. Obviously, they're in a feud, and obviously Jericho seems to be the heel. Um, what do we got? Okay, so one question I'll have for you after I finish trying to read my notes on there as people wait to see what the hell we're talking about is... Um, do you feel like these guys really sell? Because I feel like it bothered you a lot in, in WCW and NWA when people didn't sell something that was being worked on. But I also feel like in a lot in this style, 
people work on something and then like the minute the bit is over, you know, they can just do anything they want to do. And so, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think sometimes it depends on the context. If you can make me believe that you've overcome some injury you've gotten, then yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll come along for the ride. Uh, and it may even be like, do I like the guy or not? You know, am I yeah. willing to forgive? But yeah, it has bothered me in new Japan. Um, you know, like you said, I think there's an element of psychology and to some extent it's just a house style because New Japan, I feel like it happens a lot in New Japan and most people are just not bothered by it, you know, and that's that's great for them. I'm I'm kinda bothered by it. So uh it depends on context, depends on the style. You know, I I've I've seen a lot of styles, I kinda know what to expect when I go to a certain place. But yeah, I don't know, it bothers me and I'll say it, I think Kenny Omega is a particular offender. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of matches and new japan big matches are almost always ludicrously long i'm sure this i don't even remember exactly i'm sure it was 30 minutes at least minimum yes. probably more so yeah i don't if, if kato Omega gets like his knee worked over for the first 15 minutes of the match it, you know it's not going to matter by the end it, it, you just kind of know that it doesn't mean anything um so yeah i don't know I, i'm not as big a fan of new japan in general as a lot of people are, which probably colors my perception. But yeah, I mean, you've definitely hit on one of the issues I have with it, which I think is the selling. That just so much of the match doesn't matter by the time you get to the end, and that's frustrating for me. Yeah, um, to me, any story in the match, as far as it goes, begins with Omega missing um, that springboard launch and going through the table on the outside. Mm. And then Jericho, I feel like gets the advantage for like, let's say 10, 15, 20 minutes and just does ungodly things to him. And then Omega's next move, his first move of offense is like to hurl himself flipping over the top rope. Like that's his after twenty minutes, that's his first thing he does. And it's just <laughs> it's also the last thing he did that caused all of it. And he hasn't gotten any advantage on Jericho to wear him down and he hasn't like brought his energy up. It's just okay, right back to and I know how casual that is, so I know that that is the genre probably more than the wrestler. But like, I don't understand why anything matters. Like, what am I watching? I don't understand how to watch this. I need someone to, like, sit down with me and watch matches with me and explain to me how to be entertained. Because if I know that Jericho is brutalizing him and humiliating him for 20 minutes, but once that bid is over, it will have no consequence, then do I need to watch that part or do you just kind of fast forward to like when they, when they come back? Cause I know the comeback's coming and I know who's winning the match. So can I just <laughs> skip that? Cause it's not going to like, if I skipped, uh, if I did skip it, okay, here's, here's something. If I watched the last 10 minutes of the match, could I tell you anything that happened in the 20 minutes before it? Mm, yeah. And I think the answer is no. So, Nothing about this is a bad match. Like, they're not doing bad things. They're not being boring. They're not losing the crowd. And I'm willing to admit that. So then I need someone to tell me how it goes beyond a good match. Because I don't know what they're doing to make it better than just, like, two talented people being in the ring together. Right. So that's where that's why I kind of ended with, a, like, a, a you know, friendly 3.0. is just because... <laughs> Two talented people did their talented moves together, but what makes it what makes it more than that? Mm. I don't I don't know because, like I said, and I just coming up with this off the top of my head, but I like that. That might be a new test for me. Is that if I watch the last five minutes of a match, can I tell you are there any clues as to what happened the rest of the match, or should I just start watching the last five minutes of the match? I mm. 
Yeah, so that was it. It bothered me. Um, they're so. It's just this was the closest moment I've been to. This will be a nice year where we help introduce AEW. But I probably won't watch the show. You know. <laughs> I've wondered about that many times, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. To me, New Japan, uh, their current style is very overrated. Um, kind of for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Um, I I don't see either this match as being an all-timer by any extent. Uh, I did think, you know, it was good. It's better than I thought it was going to be, certainly, because I was not... I'll just say I was not excited about Chris Jericho coming to um, to New Japan because all I could think back is him trying to wrestle like AJ Styles and trying to wrestle Pac and trying to be like the young man and be like, oh, I can still yeah. keep up with everyone. I'm the same <laughs> as I – and I'm like, no, you look terrible, like so yeah. bad. So I'm glad he did something different here. You know, I'm glad they did like kind of more of the brawling, kind of the more bells and whistles. I think it helped. Uh, the match be better than it would have been if Jericho was like, I'm physically equal to you, you know, which is not, you know, it's just patently not true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, part of it maybe is just expectation coming into it. But, yeah, I don't know. People are like, oh, wow, yeah, one of his best matches ever. And I'm like, have you seen him wrestle Shawn Michaels? Have you seen him wrestle Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio? You know, I don't know. I just, to me, he's got much better matches in the past. I would even say his match with Naito at this year's Wrestle Kingdom was much better because they leaned more heavily uh, on stuff that I felt like was working. Uh, it felt like a hotter match. It felt like a match which had more of a bit more of a point, bit more of a story to it. So, yeah, I don't know. This match, it was good. It, it, like, they're too talented for it not to be good. But, yeah, I, I didn't think it was great either. Um, but uh, I will say, compare and contrast, if you think, if you're worried you can't enjoy wrestling... In the modern day, let's let's go to the next segment. Let's talk about uh, some matches that you've already called compelling. Let's talk about some Aja Kong. Absolutely, um, I am excited to do this. Um, one note that we can take or leave is just this: I thought about a potential future segment that we both could come up with um, a list. If I should, if I should end up not following AEW, so let's say that we both decide in October that we we're not going to follow this. Mm-hmm. What is the list of your things that will be in the company or absent from the company that might make that happen? Okay. All right. Now let's get to the good stuff. All right. Woo. Okay. So two matches, um, very different matches and I preferred one, but I was not mad at either. Mm-hmm. I think I know which one you prefer, but again, you want, you have much fresher eyes on this than I do. You are speaking for the fan who has never seen these wrestlers before, who might be seeing them for the first time. So I, I want you to start off here and tell me how we're feeling about this. All right, who is Aja Kong, Aja Kong wrestling in the first match? Aja Kong is wrestling Chihiro Hashimoto in the promotion Sendai Girls. This is from uh, 2017. Um, yeah, let's jump into it. Okay. Aja Kong coming out looking like the fourth member of Men on a Mission. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I can deal with this. I love Aja Kong is what comes out of this, number one. Like, I don't know her personality. I don't know what she's selling is because I've only watched two matches. But she has such a low affect. of She's not overdoing it. I realized you could actually pace a match. Like, all these matches I feel like I'm getting, whether it be a lot of these convince me matches. And remember, I love MJ 
F. Like, love his potential. He was one of the convinced me, and this one is, like, miles above as far as the wrestling to me because it has pace and psychology, and I will really get into that. I will say, spoiler, the second match was my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I thought it a... might be. Um, I really like both of these, but, yeah, that one that one was really special, I thought. It was, and I liked um, everyone involved. I didn't think it had at the end. There's a too much dependence in the first match on the belly-to-back suplex and its varieties. Like the first time I was seeing it, I was like, that's damn impressive because Aja Kong's not easy to move. But then it's like, okay, that's you go to that move too many times. So I liked I liked all three, but this was my third favorite person in the match as far as that. But Aja Kong is just what she is, and how do I how do I say this? Like her most the most agility that you get from her in either match is a move where she goes to the top rope backwards to do an elbow, and all it is is like she falls down off the top rope. <laughs> and to me, that's fucking beautiful. Because you don't need a fucking moonsault every time. So in the second match, I wrote something to the effect of, if every little guy or woman, if every little performer is stronger than you can imagine, and every big performer has more agility than you can imagine, then it all washes out. Because it's a beautiful moment in the second match where um, Aja Kong has the figure four on. And I get this impression without even trying. It's not like one of these big U.S. like, ah, Sting's hand is in the air. I'm trying to turn you over to reverse the move. (laughs) You just kind of get a glance. Like in my mind, I'm thinking about turning you over because that's what you do in the figure four. And it's not even tried because I get the impression that – it could not happen. Like, sometimes the best storytelling is I'm simply not strong enough to turn you over in the figure four. So I have to find another way. Is it a cool moment when Vader does a moonsault for the first time? Sure it is. Is it amazing when one of these much smaller women on the floor does like a fucking carry into a suplex? Yeah, it is. But if everyone can do everything... Then again, why am I watching? I want to see someone have to figure it out. And this is why I feel like I get in these matches. You're not going to do certain things to Aja Kong. You're just not going to do it. And she's not going to do certain things to you. She's going to stay in her lane. She's going to... Oh, God. I want her now. Because I don't understand her. Maybe if she did promos, then I would know. Or if I watched more of her. But she comes off like, I can't really read you. I can't read you all that well. I want it just to be like coming in people's segments. Like Pentagon is cutting a promo and he's doing like his hand gesture and then she's just like standing in frame eating an apple. And she's not going to move. That's where she wants to stand to eat an apple. Move her if you want to. And like people are just like, come on. But she's just she's just eating her apple and fuck off. You know? I, I think you understand Aja Kong pretty well. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> oh, good, good. Cause, uh, dude, I sat here. And wanted to cry for just the fact that she's not going to be a full-time AEW wrestler because... Oh, I know. Just, all right, I'm trying to find notes. I watched one match early. I watched the other match today. So um, I, I hear I have underlined here. I don't know what this is in context to, but everything is earned in these matches. Oh, yes. Everything is earned. You don't... One little clothesline, and they sell their psychology. They're selling... The knee injury in the second match is just, oh, God. So 
Aja Kong does a thing where if you're laying on your back, she raises your leg and just starts kicking you in the thigh. Yes. It's, just a, it's just a small thing. And then she's on the floor, and the other person is trying to just take advantage of the floor. Like, let's, let me get three chairs. They're all hooked to each other. And let me do what people do on the floor. And then when Aja Khan gets her offense, she just puts her on her back and raises the leg and starts kicking the thigh just like she would in the ring. <laughs> and I'm like, God, you eat that apple right in, right in screen. Forget Pentagon. You just keep doing that. It's just, I've never seen someone. She just seems confident. She seems sure of who she is. And she doesn't get out of her truth, and I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll read some notes and you talk to us for a bit. All right, cool. Um, the second match she's referencing is uh, against Hikaru Shida uh, from the Oz Academy, that one from September of 2018. And, yeah, I got to say, that that's a match that I heard about, I hadn't seen before, I watched it especially for this, and, man, I couldn't have picked a better one. You know, so props to everyone out there who uh, spoke well of this match. You were all correct because uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, you get Aja Kong um, bloody as hell by the end. Yeah. But just, yeah, every every inch of this match, every inch of Aja Kong is just full of grit and struggle. And uh, and like, like the man said, you feel like everything's earned in a way that uh, a lot of these popular performers these days, you just don't feel it with them. Um, Aja Kong, I don't know if you believe this, 48 years old, and I think one of the best wrestlers on this planet today. Um, Sadly, uh, I do believe that. (laughs) You know, and it's not fair. It's not fair. She's a better 48 than Jericho. I rate this. The second match, I would definitely rate far above that Wrestle Kingdom match. Far above. I would rate this like a five star. You know, honestly, if you want to. I don't even like to talk about star ratings. It's so subjective. But honestly, yeah, just from my personal standpoint. It's up there for me. It's a beautiful match. Um, it's a beautiful area. To me, I, the, the ring is beautiful. Mm. The raised ramp is beautiful. Yes. Of course. <laughs> um, I love the beginning with the, 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 the uh, all the colors on the outfit. The, mm. Of course, the ribbons that come in. It's just like, this is a fucking spectacle. But then maybe this is what AEW is best could be because it's a fucking spectacle with a wrestling-centric match mm-hmm. inside of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if AEW doesn't work out, maybe we can just watch uh, women's wrestling from Japan, because it's so it's great over there, I gotta say. It's one of my favorite styles. So much better. And this is not me, like, I know you think I'm like a raging liberal or whatever, but whatever. Uh, you know, it's like the, the women are just better in Japan than the men are and it's just it's a style thing honestly it's not about whether they're men or women i just love the style that they use over there so much more i think uh, it's a lot of stuff like this and it's just absolutely great i i love it you know it's it's wonderful there's some really great stuff over there it's so weird because i socially i identify as a liberal that's that's you know that's where i am <laughs> you know so I know, and yeah, that's, okay, I, WWE, I'm, I'm sorry I even brought that up, yeah, that, that's off the point, yeah, but I guess. No, I, I don't want to try to make a point, though, because this, and I might be wrong, because it's all taste and it's all subjective. Right. But, like, I don't like WWE's women rev, women's revolution for the same reason I don't like their men. To me, they're all boring and interchangeable. Right. And so, like, I'm not saying that's how it is, because I don't watch all of it, but I'm saying Seth Rollins is one of my favorite WWE wrestlers, and he bored the shit out of me at Royal Rumble when he won it. It's like nobody cared, so I couldn't care. It's like all right, you know, and it's all that, you know. Th- these three women, there's not one ounce of what they look like, what they present themselves as, what they wrestle like that reminds me of each other. 
They're all individuals. And I'm not saying this is not a women's or a men's thing. It's a WWE could take Seth Rollins. I don't even know who. You know, take one of these little mid-carters, dress them up like Seth Rollins, and, you know, they're still going to wrestle kind of the same. And, like, the same thing with fucking, I mean, I predicted Kenny Omega. I was like, I know everything you guys are going to do. I'm watching this match to try to learn because I haven't seen anything. That's a treasure trove of stuff. And, yeah, I already know everything you're going to do. And that disappoints me deeply. And then you got three women who don't remind me of each other, who don't do anything alike. And that's what I want. And I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Right. I don't care. I don't, none of that matters to me. What matters to me, and this is where, this is why I'm socially liberal, but I'm not, I can't, I just can't get with all the collectivist stuff mm-hmm. because I'm also, and, and I also really, really like things at the level of the individual. And I know society does, and I'm just going to say this real quick. I know society does things where sometimes it has to be collectivist because we have to stand together, but sometimes we use collectivism to expel other people and to be divisive. And when I watch wrestling and when I do certain things, I am looking at an individual. Mm-hmm. And what I saw here, I've never seen an individual no more individual than Aja Kong. Like, she reminds me, I'm not going to judge Bull Nakata because I only saw her in WWF. She might have been fucking awesome. But to me, they both have the same potential in that they look like badasses. Oh, yeah. Man, but then, Aja Kong, yeah, she's a veteran of that era of the 90s. And, man, if you think she's great here... Someday we gotta go back and watch some of that because man, it's it's mind blowingly good stuff. Yeah, it was so confusing to me because is there anyone I love more than Vader? And he does shit like moonsaults and stuff, but like I was so pleased. Maybe it's her age now, so maybe that's why she doesn't do a lot of stuff outside of her truth. But I was so impressed with like this is my space. Just a little bit. And it's like, okay, have you ever played a strategy RPG game where they give you four blocks, and you can you can make your character step in one of the four blocks around you, but you can't just go anywhere on the screen. That's what she's like. <laughs> she's not gonna be like, oh god, I looked down to um, write a note, and now she's like on the other side of the ring on the top rope. Like she moves into her four blocks, and as a, as her opponent, you need to stay out of those four blocks, but you also have to get to her. And the minute you get in those four blocks, you're gonna get that turnaround like smack, or you're gonna get something. But she just stays in her lane. And she does it so well. And then her opponent, oh my god. Like, I miss this because I know that I'm not going to get this a lot because I think you made a statement somewhere in these shows where yours was wins, losses, but it was like we try to keep everybody on kind of an even. Like, this guy wins one week, this person wins one week. And to me, the matches also feel the same. Like, we all can do pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. I love the second match knowing where each wrestler's limitations were. And like then that's when the, that's when I'm alert because then the psychology is like, what the hell are you going to do to get the advantage and what are you going to do? Because if either of you mess up, you're probably not coming back from it. Like if you get Aja Kong down at 48 and you get her bleeding and you got that submission hold, that's not a good look for Aja Kong. She's probably going to tap or she's going to get pinned. Something's going to happen. Like she's not in a good place on her back. But you, as I said... If you're within her reach and she gets you, you're done. So what are you going to do? When they do a little bit on the floor, they do a lot in the ring, and then a fucking brain buster on that ramp. Mm. Man. And sometimes I get tired of, you know, oh, wait till 9 and, and this count, wait for 19 and then jump in the ring. 
But man, I was compelled by her trying to get back into the ring after the brainbuster. Because mm-hmm. she looked like they looked like they went to war with each other. They wrestled probably not as long, not quite as long maybe, as Jericho and um, Omega. Yeah, Jericho and Omega looked like they put on a show together, like they, they performed together. Like I hit my move, pause, take a picture of me. You hit your move, pause, take a picture. These two looked like they went to war against each other. Oh, man, it was good. Yeah, yeah. I like the way you were looking at it before. If you just watched the last five minutes of this match, you'd be like, holy shit, I have to go watch what happened before because I think someone attempted murder before I started watching this match. So it would mean so much, you know. Everything in this match means so much. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing that appeals to me more than when uh, you, you have to be strategic in wrestling when where the moves you do, they will matter in a certain way. Whether I love what you said. Like, if Aja Khan gets her hands on you, it's over. This is a certainty. You won't be miraculously saved just because, you know, the show has to continue. No, you'll just die. You know, you'll just be destroyed by the unstoppable, immovable force of Aja Khan. Um, I love it, you know. There's a very good reason. You remember that when Aja Khan was announced, that was like the most excited by far that I've been for Double yeah. or Nothing. And man, what a great choice. I, I love that they brought her on. I wish she would stay. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's great. Oh my God, man. This match did more to tell me what is wrong, why I'm not enjoying other matches than watching a hundred of those other matches. <laughs> the figure four spot did it for me. The fact that this was a no DQ match, they used the rampway to floor, and the ring, and guess what? Aja Kong never stopped working the body part. Yep. She was working the leg, and uh, we would get bursts of offense against Aja Kong, but then the, the leg would eventually be sold again. So we never yeah. fully left an injured leg. That, the figure four spot, and then one more just illuminated everything for me. And the final one is, uh, what does Aja Kong bring to the ring with her? I, I don't know. It's like a metal bucket or something. Yeah. I don't know what the story is, but it looks it looks devastating when she smacks you with it. Yeah. Uh, and okay. Oh, two things. I was about to say one more thing that illuminates, but everything she does illuminates. Yeah. Because I was going to talk about the second one because she brought two of them to the ring. But here's even this. The first one she had already used, she'd already dented because she was in the corner and she grabbed it as her opponent was coming and running and jumping and trying to do offense to her. And she uses it what? against the leg mm, yes how easy just to use it to, to, to hit him in the head you know she does it to the leg because the leg is the body part that she's working and then the final one i wish i could just sit everyone down that i'm going to have to deal with if i try to watch aew um both both competitors have an object left in their corners and they crawl to their corners not knowing the other one is going for their object. They go for it at the same time. They crawl to their corners. They come out with their objects, and they use their objects. You know why? Because they're in the middle of a war. Like when Sting dropped down from the ceiling at Starcade 1996 and put a bat in the ring uh, with Lex Luger, he whispered in Luger's ear, he whispered in the giant's ear, and he left. They didn't both look at each other like Luger and the giant make eye contact. Like, that was Sting. What does he want? Did he talk to you? He also talked to me. <gasps> Oh my God! 
They didn't do that. They didn't do Triple H. I can't wrestle anymore because I'm 77 years old, so I'm just going to narrate the match from the ring. I'm going to talk the whole fucking time. They didn't stop and pose like they're both holding objects, but they're not using it because they're shocked. Because look at this. We did it at the same time. I am able, as a viewer, to realize you both did it at the same time. And when they get the objects, they just go to war because they're in the middle of a match and they need to wrestle rather than, rather than posing and narrating and putting on a show that is frankly insulting to me as a viewer. And they do it. And they keep going because we're at war. And the thing is, these great matches, Aja Kong loses both of them. And does nothing. And does nothing. You know, because I know who she is. And they they managed to best her. Would they do it again? I don't. I'm, I wouldn't bet on it. Right. Wouldn't bet on it. But man. Yeah, you say that Ajikan lost, but then the second match, I love the finish because, as you yeah. say, uh, Ajikan has just destroyed Hikaru Shida's knee, and her knee is like her main finisher. And at the last moment, she takes down her knee pad. She exposes that mm. that knee, damaged as it is. And she's only got one good leg, so she launches at Aja Kong. She throws out her injured knee, and she smashes Aja Kong in the face with it. And she gets the pin off it. But, man, she's, like, crying from the pain. She yeah. has just destroyed her own body part just to defeat this monster. And, man, like, what what impact does that have on that night, on the next night, forever, you know? Because it, it meant so much, and it was presented so well. I love it. Yeah. What is wrong with that? That should be for someone of her skill set in a no DQ match. You kind of got to waste yourself to get the victory. Yeah. But it tells me something about the fact that you will do it. And she she hooks the leg, falls over the shoulders and bridges just to get the pin. Yeah. You know, this is. And I said this. I don't know why I was thinking about Bret Hart so much because to me. Bret Hart had his limitations, but if you put him in, if you take a single category that he thrived in, he did it as good as anybody. And his matches always made sense. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was thinking about him. But I felt that, I felt that in this match. Because Bret Hart, I don't know how it would stand up because I haven't watched it in so long, but I used to really like uh, the match with Diesel at Survivor Series where Diesel, I think, kind of goes heel. Man, I watched that, uh, like, last year or something, and I was astounded at how good it was. Mm. I... I didn't think it was possible to have Kevin Nash in a match that good. But, yeah, no, Bret Hart made it work. Absolutely. And so that's what I'm trying to understand because, uh, to me, in my mind, at least how they're built, Kenny Omega and Jericho should be, like, Michaels and Bret or, you know, whoever you want to say, like, two of the best workers. Right. Bret Hart and Diesel, not so. So what does Bret Hart do to make that match so good? And then... I don't do the star system either because that, to me, like, it's what well, you just, you know, it's so, so subjective. Right. But it's like, where do I put Jericho and Omega? Like, let's say I didn't want to do five stars for this matchup just because, like, we're saying five stars is five stars a perfect match. You know, and I think Meltzer has a few there. Just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole. Other but, you know, <laughs> like, I got to protect five stars. Right. So then if I drop a match like this, let's say to 4.5 or four, then what the hell do I do with Kenny Omega and Jericho? Right. You know? Or is everything just like the same star, or you just you just take off like a half to separate them? You know, so it, eventually it falls apart. But what I got out of this was, I can't go to war as a viewer if you don't go to war as a wrestler. 
Like, I felt spent after that last match. Mm. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, shit. That brain buster, man, that, that hurt me. That brain buster on that ramp, that's that's a different kind of ramp. It's like a plywood and, and then boards or some shit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, man, spine buster on it. You know, like, <sighs> I, I keep going back to this. And it's weird because I want to be the interactive one in a world where everyone wants to be interactive, but they enjoy the other stuff, and I enjoy this. Like, with Kenny Omega and Jericho, I feel like, you don't need me. Just take pictures and send me the pictures. Or send me the one minute and 22 second trailer that shows all the big spots. <laughs> but with this one, I, I feel like you need me because someone needs to be sitting there and paying attention to all the really fucking smart and brilliant things you two are doing in this match. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard. Like, a weird thing happened in this show, and it was the combination of watching Jericho and Omega followed by these Aja, Aja Kong matches because I was disappointed in one. And then I was astounded by the other, and it revealed maybe too much to me. So, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, if AEW doesn't work out, we always have WWF Legacy Series. And I, yes. I promise you, I can find you some products that you will like if you want to go farther out and beyond that. So, it, it, the wrestling you like is out there. We can find it, I swear. In the, in the yeah. past or the present, somewhere, it's out there. <laughs> what do you think of Aja Khan's move off the top row? <laughs> Uh, it's I'm I'm all about it. I'm all about everything Aja Kong does. She's one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Honestly, to me, she's like the female Vader. Uh, yeah. Not in so far. I mean, they're both big and they're impressive and they're strong and they hit hard. But man, just in so far as like they are who they are, no matter where they go. And yeah, even in like the '90s in her peak, I don't remember her doing like big flips or anything. You know, she was always kind of the way she was. Only then, like, she was hitting you even harder, if that's possible. So, mm. um, I'm in love with Aja Kong, honestly. She's one of my favorites ever. So, you, you ask me, what do you think of Aja Kong's blank? And I'd be like, I love it. You know, it's not even a question. Yeah. So, I get it, man. I get it. Like, everything is... Oh, God. It's not the right words yet, because... In one way, it's art, but then everyone would say whatever they liked was art. You know, like all these guys, you know, going into the fifth row. That there's an art to that, but I don't know. It was her, but it was also these like that show, man. That the colors matter to me. All of it mattered. Like all, it's like a beautiful. Like this is this matter. I feel like this matters. Like even when I when I was growing up. My brother and I hit almost every Hasbro and Galoob uh, figures, and instead of just like, ah, oh, take these figures and let them hit each other, like we, 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 we would like draft way before the draft ever happened. We would draft all of them, and we would do a year. Like he would book his show for a year, I would book my show for a year, and then there'd be another draft so we could trade to have some fresh people come in. And so we had, we both had our own pay per views that we mentioned, and we would watch each other, and we would tell stories with them, and. Every single pay-per-view would have its own arena, so you would set it up differently. Like, everything would have its own feel to it, and that's like two kids playing with like toys. And I don't feel like that, even that, especially if AEW would have fewer pay-per-views when it comes. Like, can they all look a certain way? Can they all feel a certain way? Like, there's majesty in that in that final match. And it was no DQ. And then, you know, what, what is the point of... Everything gets flattened. Like that was no DQ, but maybe Omega. I don't know if Omega and 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 Jericho were. Let's say it wasn't. They still could do everything they could do, and they're no DQ match. So what makes that special for being no DQ? But everything felt special. Mm, yeah. 
Man, oh god. Aja Kong. Okay. And she you said she was in WWF? Yeah, yeah, in the the Alundra Blaze era. I'm a little surprised. I thought it was kind of in your in your wheelhouse. She was sort of in that new generation area, like '95. I want to say. I don't. know, Maybe that's not your wheelhouse, but you know, like like contemporary to Shawn Michaels and his first run and everything. So yeah, you even mentioned like Diesel and Brett, and I feel like she was right around that same time. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did she do anything other than coming and job to Alundra Blaze though? Uh, she, she did some stuff. Let me, all okay. right, I gotta look it up. Um, it also was, depends on what year. So 94 and 95 is different and I can let you know depending on what year or when she was in there. Let me, let me look it up just a second. Okay. Um, it's worth uh, it. I am, like I said, this is the most impressive, uh, by far convinced me I've seen. I am. Uh, she was brought in at the end of 1995. She was actually debuted at that same Survivor Series that we were just talking about, oh. um, in a match where I think... I gotta look, but she eliminated like almost oh, everyone uh, on the other team by herself. Um, she wrestled a few matches on Raw, and then if I remember, um, someone got injured in one of her matches. Like she broke somebody's jaw, I think, mm. um, that. and that actually sort of just sort of ended the. Because uh, I think it was right after that that Medusa went over and dropped the the, the, the women's title, so everything kind of got scrapped after that. So. So yeah, maybe not around long enough, but yeah, she she was significant for for a little period there. I think they were bringing her in to be a big deal, but then the women's division just kind of died off. So yeah. by that time, I didn't watch a lot of WWF. Gotcha. Well, that would be the reason then. Yeah, because that was Luger had already jumped, and WCW was. <laughs> hey, think of this: if we do go back to WWF the Legacy Series, which we will do one day. Yes. There's, there's an Aja Kong match waiting for us. Yeah, I love the idea of her in one of the Survivor Series elimination matches. Same, same. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun when we get there someday. So when were you introduced to her? Um, Probably just in my travels, just kind of okay. learning about the history of wrestling. Um, I was, uh, you know, like... I knew about them before this, but I always love when women came over from Japan in WCW, the Legacy yeah. Series. Uh, that wasn't my first exposure, but that was kind of part of it. I would just see little bits of these women from Japan, and every time I'm like, holy crap, these guys seem like the best wrestlers in the world. I really got to check out more. So, you know, I just went out, and, you know, at one point I'm just looking through, like, top Meltzer matches, and, you know, that that's hit or miss. But then he has her on some five-star matches, and they just blew my mind up in like the, the mid nineties. Mm. And I was like, wow, I got to watch more of Aja Kong forever. And the more I watched, the more I loved her. So, so yeah, there Meltzer, uh, he did a good thing. At least he, he guided me to somebody I love. So give him credit for that. She's such a legacy piece to be 48 oh, and putting like, can you imagine what it feel like to be young and upcoming and get a match with her at this time? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's such a blessing. Absolutely. No, so cool that she's coming to double or nothing. Like I said, to me, that's one of the most exciting things that they could have done. And, uh, I don't know. I hope, I hope it tears the house down. I hope, I hope she comes to, uh, to just be everything that she can be. I'm excited. Absolutely. So ladies and gentlemen, we will, of course, you know, we will keep, we will keep going on Aja Kong here in the series. I'm now very much looking forward to the match at, um, double or nothing. I don't even remember who she's wrestling. But is she in that three way or is that someone else? I can't. Ah, there's two matches. Look it up a second. I gotta look it up. 
Okay. Uh, let me see. Da, 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 da. We got... she is, I, think. I don't yep. think she's booked yet. She's announced for the show, but they oh. don't have a match for her. So I don't know. Maybe they'll bring in someone special to wrestle her. Maybe she'll wrestle <laughs> Brandy or something. I have no idea. I can't even remember who. Brandy doesn't, Brandy doesn't want it like that. <laughs> I wouldn't. Well, Brandy went to Japan, actually. She wrestled yeah. for a while. She got injured over there, I remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested in Brandy the wrestler. Maybe even more so than all this, like, I'm the brand officer. I'm I'm Stephanie McMahon, part two, you know, stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe It'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested for sure. I think how you play them is going to be interesting because I think Cody and there's almost a bit of royalty to them at this point. So, mm-hmm. you know, play them right and play them well. And Aja Khan would definitely be a big enough, you know. I wonder how they'll present her, too. I want to see what her presentation is like in AEW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was talking in our, uh, like, five people AEW should try to sign. I mentioned another uh, women's wrestler from Japan, Mako Satomura, and I said if they can bring her in just for a while and have her, like, be the first champion or something, there's huge value in that. And they can do the same thing with Aja Kong, honestly. You know, just a short run, uh, however many months that you could get her to, like, keep flying over, and then, you know, then your women's division is going to be established for a long time because you've got this foundation uh, that everyone can try to live up to. Uh, man, I wrote that in my notes, but I've forgotten that. But if you really want me to care about your women's division, put the belt on Aja Kong and then develop everybody. Let everyone orbit around that as I learned them as like wrestlers, as characters. You know, instead of like, well, you're going to flip the belt three or four times and like show me all these people who are kind of on the same level, who are kind of this, kind of that. You know, just just like foundation Aja Kong right now mm-hmm. and then tell tell all these stories around it, you know, right. because – you know, like, I would already be interested in, in how does each woman approach a champion like this? You know, don't do it all the same. It's kind of, when Yokozuna was champion, there was an interesting thing where you would see, like, the Hacksaw Jim Duggins and the Crush. And, <laughs> like, before Luger, before the Luger, yeah, the transition between Hogan and uh, Luger, you got all these guys coming out trying to defeat him. And it was kind of cool because, like, Crush is not going to do it like Hacksaw. Hacksaw is going to come down, get in three-point stance, and keep trying to knock him over. Crush is going to do some drop kicks. Yeah. You know, but you learn a lot. You learn a lot. And you learn who you like and who you don't. And I think she'd be a hell of a champion. And again, like, again, I'm not, you know, I don't need need money for that apple idea. Just have her want want to eat her apple, like, in the... In the set, in the screen, while people are trying to do their promos. There's something very compelling about that <laughs> image. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, it also would lead to a Pentagon Isaac Kong stare down, which would be. Man, I know that you're in the beyond intergender, but can you imagine actually Aja Kong versus Pentagon? What an amazing match it. that would be. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I would watch that. I wouldn't be mad at that. Holy crap! Yeah. Wow. Again. I, I sell me on anything, but don't sell me for the context. The construct tell, sell me for the specific the and content? yeah no, yeah would would I watch them Russell hell yeah I would watch it because you you can't like I, I don't want to say can't but the body type I don't think you can package pile driver her no I could I no I don't think so that'd be a <laughs> Jesus Christ if you can that you know more power to you but I know she can spin around and smack him in the head so, oh yeah you know? okay I know what I want to see too I want to see uh what do you think of Ivelisse Oh, I like Ivelisse. I do I too. I won't hurt AEW. 
Just throwing that out there while we're on this subject. Like, Evilly should have got the spot that Sexy Star did in Lucha Underground. I would have liked that whole run 50 times more if that had happened. So. And this is, again, why, you know, one was predetermined and the other did it organically. Right. Because right. she was nothing at the beginning. Like, I'm the baddest bitch, and like, boo. Yeah, I'm you Shut of Havoc's controlling girlfriend. You yeah. Know, just like a total bit character. And man, yeah. oh, I love that whole run, man. <laughs> you know who else is really good? Um, you keep talking about Marty, but Marty's sister is really good, too. She's pretty good. I thought she underperformed at times, but sometimes she's been really good. So Again, yeah. What about against Pentagon? I thought they had a good match. Oh, they had a great match. That was the best thing she did, probably, in the whole run there. You know? That's the only thing I watched that she did, but, you know. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Okay, so, you know, because you guys are talking in the CF uh, forums about we may not get a season five. So It's looking more and more likely, I'm afraid, but I'm, I hope we do because we deserve one. But, I don't know, we'll see. If we don't, then, yeah, let these people go free. Let them go to AEW. Let them go, you know, make money elsewhere. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a lot of talent from Lucha Underground that would be great in uh, AEW. Absolutely. You know, a lot going on next week. We have no idea what we'll be talking about. Um, uh, I keep seeing rumors that the Usos might be leaving. Uh, Matt Hardy keeps talking about his contract is up in days, so who knows who will be put on our plate from week to week. Fair but enough, right yeah. now. I think it's funny, yeah, yeah Revival wanted to leave. Uh, Usos supposedly wanted to leave. Um I think some people supposedly said Sasha wanted to leave. Every one of those people is now a tag team champion in WWE, so that's that's a weird thing uh, yeah, that's, that we have to think about. That's no small thing. And <laughs> that, that if I was a tag team, I'd be trying to get out of my contract because I think the Young Bucks, you know, they 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 jumped out talking about we're going to make tag team wrestling main event. And that's not easy to do now. So I think if you're a decent tag team, you you got a good chance of making good money and having good opportunity with AEW because they need it. I would think, yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll see. I like, I like the idea. I don't know what you think of Sasha Banks. I don't know what her reputation is, but I would like the idea. She's another one who I would be. She might get my attention um, if they can like give her a fresh start. Uh, to me, she's a victim of overhype. Um, you know, there was a time a few years ago where people were talking with very yeah. straight faces that she is. Oh well, she's the best wrestler in the world, and I'm like, guys. She isn't, <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's you hard. know, so if I can separate myself from that, I think I like her a lot more than I do. Yeah, I found her compelling as far as she's got a good look. She is a good yeah. wrestler. Um, I like some of her tweets lately. I like some of the things she likes. Also, weirdly, uh, go ahead and throw this shit out there. What did Randy Orton retweet? He's always retweeting shit. <laughs> Who cares? I I would like to, I would almost like to ban any Randy Orton talk on our show unless he uh, actually gets signed, God forbid, because... I just cannot care about Randy Orton right now. But what are I'm you trying to tell me? I don't know. Not. It's just an a, either an okay. a, someone who left. There's an AEW reference. Oh, he tweeted Cody Rhodes making, I think, Cody Rhodes' Ty Dillinger tweet. He retweeted. Yeah, well. So, well I'm just trying to yeah, win. Yeah, you're case. so held down, Randy Orton, with your, uh, who cares about Randy Orton? <laughs> if we don't talk about him, he'll pop up and RKO you into AEW and onto the show. So. God. You cannot talk about him because he moves in silence. <laughs> Randy Orton, the Viper. <laughs> AEW could be anything. Like, come October, man. It could be about 100 different uh, formulas. Sure, yeah. 
it's very annoying, but also true. And people come out like AEW is just, they don't even exist yet. They're just a t-shirt company. And I'm like, you're stupid, but I sort I get what you mean. You're saying it in the stupidest way though. So whatever. Yeah. Say it better, please. Yeah, I please. hate that comment because. Say it not like you're an asshole, maybe. I don't there are people know. making a million dollar contracts. So I think it might exist. Um, I did watch, uh, the, the, um, the show in Vegas were Double or Nothing, so that seems like that existed. Um, <laughs> Double or Nothing sold out in four minutes. Seems like that existed. True. But you know, keep talking like that. Whatever, yeah. Okay, so that's is that all AEW for this week? I believe that is everything. I don't think I have anything else. Uh, that was plenty more. I already got an idea for the next convince me, but uh, I'm gonna wait and see if anybody exciting is announced in the next week. So we'll see what we get. Awesome. So, um, hmm. I will do my best on this next part. I watched, I was excited to watch MLW after last week's show, so I watched it immediately after we recorded, so. Hey, me too. Oh, nice. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second half of this show. It is MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series, episodes 1 through 42. We are on episode 3, where Tony Schiavone welcomes us. Um, and my God. It's like 1997 Raw, Ms. Fan, because everybody who has a beef with anybody is coming out to address it. Indeed, and uh, I'll leave it up to you if that's a good thing or not. Um, <laughs> we see a clip that Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc, they, they had a brawl at some other show, like one of the WrestleMania weekend shows, I think. Uh, so now we have Jimmy Havoc. He just lost to Shane Strickland, but that's okay. Because he's here to call out Joey Janela. Joey Janela comes out and they brawl again. And before they can even finish brawling, it's low key. He's here and he's wearing his Hitman attire. He's mad because he was suspended indefinitely because he punched a matchmaker in the throat backstage. So a lot of stuff is happening within the first like few seconds of this show. A lot of stuff and few seconds is an accurate statement. Uh, Joey Janela comes out, and I'm like, it's a good thing I watched the Convince Me segments because I know who these people are. And I'm like, oh, he got a haircut. Maybe I can like this guy. And I was like, oh, no, it's a man bun. I fucking hate this guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. If you can't stand a man bun, then, yeah, I really don't think you can watch AEW. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even, uh, okay. But, you know, that's just a real thing to happen in real time. Yeah, I understand. I get it. I get it. It's uh, like Marty Skrull, though, right? Doesn't he have one of the little... Yeah, Marty, Marty Skrull is guilty of some of the things that... like <laughs> I, I've said this, and you said... Well, you put this in my head, I think, because you said you used to like him, and now, after you watch him a lot, it kind of faded a little bit on him. I'm, you know, um, I'll be sad if it happens to you, too, but I'll be interested also, so we'll yeah. see. <laughs> I can see that potential, because I really... I thought his promo with... Um, I thought he was far better than Nick Aldis. I oh. thought he got a... That's such yeah. a low bar to jump it, over. It is. <laughs> but, I mean... Okay, so... I thought Nick. Let's say let's talk it factor. So he at least has some it factor. Oh yeah, he does. He's he's you compelling know. to a point. Um, but I also so we'll thought see he if was, we reach the point where it starts to be compelling and starts being a turnoff. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting because even partly then I he was being so. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I saw like cutesy. I yeah, think. I saw a yeah. glimpse of how I could be like, nope, I'm I'm done with this guy. <laughs> so. We'll see. Right. Okay. He's got good props. He, he made it a little too loud than his um, embodiment. I should allow. We'll see. But we'll see. He's got an umbrella. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Okay. So yeah, uh, we got a lot of 
a lot of fighting. You know, anytime the bad boys around, you know it's gonna be wild. So uh, there's gonna be somebody on this show who I'm gonna tell you that I absolutely hate. And I think we'll be in agreement on it, but I think I already know. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. We might be I able like to see him out. actually in this this segment. Um, oh, we do see him in this segment. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Yeah, so Loki is out. He is complaining. The fans are being rowdy. They think Loki sucks. They're trying to talk over his promo, which is very annoying. Um, oh god. Yeah. He talks about uh, what is it? Black Friday management. Management. Yeah. I mean, so that already exists. It's the first time we've heard it actually mentioned. Yeah. Um, he's been suspended. He's not supposed to be out there. Right. Uh, he's, no, I'm not going to say it. Um, he's just being very chaotic. Um, MVP comes out, and I guess it's MVP that has a beef with Loki. Uh, he's going to do something about all this, but before he can do that, his opponent for tonight, yeah. Sammy Callahan, appears, and he chokes him with his <sighs> stupid baseball bat. And, yeah, if the guy you hate is Sammy Callahan, then we're on the same page for sure. Yeah. We are. I want to save it for his promo because it's just, it's just a tiny little thing he does in the promo. It was just we'll get to it, but yeah, he just chokes him out. And here's what bothers me: if you're carrying a baseball bat, if, if you're gonna go and bring a baseball bat, swing the stupid baseball bat. Like, why are you even carrying it? If all yeah. you're gonna do is choke him, what you know? What is this like? Triple H? Oh, I'm gonna carefully cover my sledgehammer before I do anything. Like, yeah. like I, if you want to be safe. Of course, good. You want to be safe. Great. But then don't even bring it if you're not going to use it. It's just stupid. And it's all about how Sammy Callahan's a reckless, sloppy guy. And he injured Eddie Edwards with his bat. And now, all oh, the bat's so important. I, I don't know. It's so stupid to me. I think it's more um, – it, it gets people off their guard because they're like you – know, you might think getting hit with a baseball bat could kill somebody. But when it's compared to a Sammy Callahan choke – then you're like, oh, just a bat. I can live with that. But no, I'm not really going to use a bat. I'm going to choke you. And you're like, oh, my God, not a Sammy Callahan choke. And then see, it's worse than the bat. So there. <laughs> he is worse than the bat. He's worse than a lot of things. So. He is. He is such. He reminds me of backyard wrestling. Like, I, don't, I don't know. He gets booked a lot. He's like champion in different places. And oh, he I does. I do not get it. I, the appeal of him is lost on me. What I mean by that is. I like people who take a gimmick, and when I watch them, I just assume they are who they are because that's who they're you know performing as. Yeah. He he always reminds me of like it's a telling showing thing. Like I I'm here to tell you what kind of person I am, and then you need it's on you <laughs> to uh can be convinced of that. And then I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not though. Yeah, every time he gets on the mic, it's like it, yeah, he's telling you I'm very scary. Be yes. scared of me. It's like, it's nothing. It, it connects to nothing I actually see him do. It's much worse than Jimmy Havoc, who at least talks a good game. And then, Absolutely. you know, it's sad because I'm always disappointed then later. But yeah, with him, you don't even get to the first stop on the journey. So it's bad. Yeah, I agree. I didn't really like the way this started because it didn't feel like, you know, I have no right to say what feels like MLW on episode three, but it didn't feel like the other episodes. I could be cool with something like this happening. But I need to already be invested, and maybe, mm. like, I love, you know, the Bret Hart, Steve Austin stuff was so hot that, you know, one of them couldn't be out there without the other one doing something. <laughs> I don't think we're there with some of these people. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot behind that that kind of justified that. Um, for me, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I've been watching some of the early NWA TNA for a writing project mm. that I'm yes. doing uh, in the forums. 
it reminded me a little too much of Vince Russo's TNA, yeah. where like just everything, something has to be happening at every second, and it's like so much that it means nothing. So yeah, I can't stand that. Like yeah. he's choking him in the ring, and they're fighting at the turnbuckle on the outside, and the fact, these guys are on the fact yeah. that Joey Janela and Jimmy Abbott couldn't even finish brawling out of the room before the next segment started was not a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of that. <laughs> they are trying to tell us a story once a week, I think, with an hour. Interestingly, I, really appreciate that. I don't want to oversell it because, like, this is nowhere near a lot of the crap you'd see from Vince Russo, but his shadow is over it, and that's yeah. not really ever a good thing. Uh, I don't know if it's the Young Bucks. Somebody's on the record saying that they think three hours is too long for a show, which I agree with. Uh, I think that was fucking everybody who said that. <laughs> but then they said, though, that the AEW show. Either an hour or two hours is what they said. I and then they said it wouldn't necessarily have to be weekly. Hmm. So there's a lot of weird shit. And I, I hope don't know about that. that. Yeah, I think you want a weekly show. Yeah, I uh, want a weekly. I'm not yeah. watching a monthly show. No, that won't go so well. Uh, not at that. Like, there are promotions I do watch monthly, so it can be done. But I don't think most people are going to do no. that. So, yeah. This is an hour, though. And they're trying to, trying to catch us up on a lot of stuff. Because last time we left them... We were, like, at the end of the Strickland uh, Havoc feud, which seemed to be burning for so long, and now we're already in the midst of another feud, so. Right, right, yeah. Then we got Tom Lawler coming out. He's going to wrestle a match against um, ACH, except for he claims he can't wrestle, so he was cleared by MLW. Yep, the old milk-in-the-injury gimmick, so, yeah, instead of... Tom Lawler versus ACH. You're going to see Simon Gotch uh, versus ACH. Um, and, yeah, Simon Gotch uh, is a guy who kind of, you know, he was known in WWE. He was part of the VOD Villains team. Now he's out here. He's doing something very different. Uh, I'm okay with Simon Gotch. I, I probably need to see more of him, honestly, in this new format. Um, so we'll see. ACH uh, still, I don't know, just doesn't make a lot of impression on me, so I can't maybe speak so much to him. He's very athletic. He can do a lot of things. Um, I just, there's no investment for me there. I, I didn't get a strong impression from either of them. Um, and, you know, who knows, because ACH is just a guy who comes out to wrestle matches, and um, gosh, right now is the lackey in this group who's wrestling because you're not going to see the guy who you came to wrestle, Russell. So, you know, well, so it's, it's limited. Uh, Tony Giovanni says, I've been, I've been in this sport long enough to know a schemer means trouble. So Tony's on to them. Well, that was nice characterization for Gotch. It gives him a yeah. little, a little bit more maybe to build off of. Uh, I thought he looked fine here. I thought he looked, I like to think of him more as an apprentice than a lackey. Um, I think that makes him more interesting if you think yeah. of him that way. But, yeah, the most interesting guy was the guy who didn't wrestle. It was Tom Waller, I thought. I, I, I was very interested in maybe seeing more of him because, uh, like, the little stuff he did and the, the bit of talking he did, especially after the match, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I could definitely see something with this guy. Yeah. ACH gets the win and a roll-up. One thing I do, the announcers are always talking about strategy on the show. I do appreciate that. I appreciate that. that a lot, yeah. I didn't like when Tom was, like – Talking and the fans were doing like chanting with him, even though they're also booing him. Like, just fucking get 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 in your goddamn lane and then play your role. <laughs> sure. For goodness sake, like he he just did not perform because you're not worthy of it. So you know, just have some pride. But yeah, Lawler, the feud continues. So it's old school slow build. We know where we know where this is going. 
Yeah, another one with the match. I thought it was a decent match, and yeah, it built up some stuff uh, going forward. It was actually it was, it was my favorite match on the show. So you know, I, is there something for that? Uh, maybe similar to last week, where sort of a build up match ended up being my favorite thing. Yeah, it might be my favorite, but it's either it was my favorite, or maybe I didn't even have a favorite. So that's a little different. <laughs> well, for that's me. fair. I didn't think. Yeah, it didn't blow me away or anything. So what? Well, yeah. Yeah, we go this was it. not the strongest episode. I just want to it was not. There. This is the weakest one I think they put on, so I think they need to step up a little bit. Hey, they had something exciting, though. They had the top ten of MLW that we finally yes. learn about here. I'm going to read it off with just a little bit of commentary. Um, with Barrington Hughes, who we saw once, he won a match. Okay, fair enough. It was an easy match, but he won. We have Joey Janela, who I think we've not seen wrestle on Fusion yet, uh, but we know he's doing things in the company. Uh, we have Jeff Cobb at number eight. We haven't seen him at all yet, but again, he must be doing something somewhere. Uh, we have Phoenix at number seven, who we've seen lose one match, but it was a main event match, and it was a really good performance, so fair enough. We have Satellite Callahan at six. Um, we have Tom Lawler at number five, despite being injured uh, or not injured, depending on who you ask. We have Loki at number four, which seems low, considering how they are presenting him. We have MVP at number three, which caused me to write, what the fuck, in my uh, (laughs) notes. We have Jimmy Havoc at number two, who just lost a very big match and lost it pretty decisively, so I do not know what qualifies him to be at number two. And we have number one, which is so right, it is Pentagon. So, yeah, I like top tens. This one was a little confusing at times, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how long they stick with this. I love the top ten. Um, had some complaints. I think we, we should get some mention of Loki being suspended and being number four on the list. Yeah. Uh, I also think – I wonder if Jimmy Havoc, he was the number one contender. He lost the match, but other people haven't really won since then, so maybe he just drops one. But, but that's one thing I would like for a top ten is really, if you're going to do it, get the momentum. Do they seem like they're on their way up or on their way down? You know. Right. He yeah. seems like a two that is on his way. That he it might not be in the top ten next week if he's not careful. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we, we need another um, another list. Hopefully next week to uh, see which way we're going with all this stuff. And if someone who's full of shit because Barrington Hughes is at number ten. Fair enough. But he's he's asking for opponents. You're not giving him opponents. So you know, someone someone is just overlooking Barrington Hughes, and that's not easy because he's the biggest man in the company. So I think there's a little scheming going on. I want to see some opponents for Barrington Hughes. And unfortunately, or no, he is a heel, yes. Yeah. So, Barrington Hughes is a, what do we call him, a baby face? Uh, a heel? Can you judge from one squash match and a confident promo? That could really go either way. Yeah, it could. Because we might have an opponent for him before this show's over. Hmm. Okay. I actually don't know who you mean. I must have forgot, so we'll, we'll get to that a little shortly here. Okay. Um, so, yeah, top 10 does cool. Uh, Shane Strickland doing another video. He wants to leave a legacy for generations. Good luck, pal. <laughs> he also wants us to know he missed the birth of his children so he could wrestle. We didn't ask you to do that, Strickland, so don't lord that over me. I didn't make yeah. you miss your kid's birthday, you know. Nobody honestly, made you so. do that, bud. <laughs> it's probably because you're wrestling for 10 companies. Maybe it was one or the other one, so. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, I respect the hustle, honestly, but yeah, I yes. always feel weird when people say stuff like that. I'm like, okay, you didn't have to do that for me. I didn't ask yeah. you to, so okay. 
And when I wasn't wrestling, I missed it because I was like re- making videos, sending them out to try to get a wrestling gig. It's always wrestling. And I don't know. It's not my business, Shane Strickland. Maybe you were that guy in the mask in Lucha Underground, you know? Uh, his best role by far. Yeah. Um, All right. What we got next? Uh, we have the true highlight of the show, I believe. We have the first appearance of MJF. He's doing a vignette. He is on one of his father's tennis courts, which is a great um, touch. He wonders why people try to vilify him. Is he evil just because his father's rich, just because he's well-educated? After this, Tony calls him an egotistical little jerk, which was a nice bit of editorializing, I thought. I don't think I have this. What? You missed the best thing on the show, my friend. You gotta go. I watched the whole video. I don't Weird. Know. I don't know. It was great, though. Should should try to watch it when we're done. Go back and watch it, because it's great. Okay. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's not like I don't want to. It's one of the reasons we're doing this. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Okay, good. I like what he said. Sounds like he's in his lane, which is the theme for me this week. Yep, people being in their lane, for sure. Uh, Yeah, we got two people. I don't know if they have a lane because I've never heard of either (laughs) one of them before. It is Mike Perro, who is a 300-pound, decently built guy. Uh, And then you have Vandal Ortegon, who is a Turkish kickboxer. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this. Colonel Parker comes out to watch the match, and Tony says he's been a dominant force in wrestling for decades, which is a lie from a human-suited man, uh, or human-suited monster, reverting to his old disingenuous ways. Uh, Mike Perrow wins this pretty easily. I don't have a lot to say about it. I, I don't know if he impressed me enough to really want to see a lot more of him. But I guess we'll see moving forward. Yeah, the fans seem to be into him. I wasn't really impressed. I was definitely I wasn't impressed so much with either of them. But one of my favorite people in the world is from Istanbul, so I had to I had to ride with uh, Vandal in this match. Who's that? But, uh, my girlfriend. Oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah, so I was like, oh, so I, I don't see wrestlers from Turkey much, so that you know, it jumped out. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't really impressed with him. So <laughs> okay, fair enough. Mike, I wasn't impressed with, but you know, you kind of know. You kind of know this is who this is exactly who Colonel Parker. Colonel Parker is now looking for his um. Was Mike Enos ever in his group? Probably, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's looking, looking for, for the guy who squad, does like a choke, sure. a kick, and a maybe a big boot, and a you know that kind of shit. The fucking choke slam is, I think, his move. And then to wear the chicken suit. At least, at least Mike knows his role because a decent human being would have not shaken hands with Colonel Parker. You know, even if you want to work with him, walk away, make him you know up um, up his. Up his game, but he just shakes hands with him immediately, and it looks like they are headed uh, for stud stable together. It's a really weird narrative around Parker that they're pushing, like he's this venerated manager when he really wasn't. I mean, like he was a, a slightly above Sonny Ono on the ladder, like he was not really a significant manager at all. So it's a weird narrative that they built around this guy. Yes, who they have? <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so fair enough. Trying, Tony talks about how much money Colonel Parker has. Like, I guess he earned it outside of wrestling. He <laughs> earned it from being a colonel of Kentucky yeah. Fried Chicken or whatever his gimmick is. So yeah, he won. I guess he was tag. He had tag champions and maybe U.S. champion. I never thought about this, but is he supposed to be like a Civil War colonel or something? Is that the <laughs> war he fought in? Like, I don't know. I've never. <laughs> I don't know. He brought out Harlem Heat. We're like his slaves originally, so I don't know, man. <laughs> I've never questioned like. 
Yeah, who would he be if he wasn't the colonel would be a nice question, because I don't have any idea. <laughs> I have no idea, yeah. It's just like, was he born with that stupid hat and the and the suit? I don't know. I don't know much about Colonel Parker. I don't think what? we need to, but we're going to learn more than we want to before MLW is over, I think. so. I didn't dislike him when I was a kid. I didn't. I wasn't impressed with him, but he was just... He's with a lot of he was, you know he's with a lot of successful people that I enjoy. No, so he, so like, yeah. I mean that's why I put him above Sonny Ono is I never yeah. actually disliked him. Uh, you know I would groan when we had to see Sonny Ono and Colonel Parker was like okay he's there he's fine you know whatever it didn't matter to be one way or the other so yeah it's kind of the same now. Yeah, we'll see more. I it's weird. I think they're doing anything they can and they then and they also have this like they were trying to. You know, in their 2000 and 2004 run, they had like a four horsemen group. They had ECW, you know. So right. sometimes they're, I think sometimes they're in the moment while while kind of creating an atmosphere that honors the past, and that's like really cool. And then sometimes they're just trying to copy the past, which is not so cool. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to be careful with who you honor from the past. And I want to talk about yeah. this in context of AEW as well. I don't want you to just like oh, well, this person's available, so let's take them and let's try to make something out of that. No, like, try to take stuff that already is something and then, like, build on that. Don't try to make something out of nothing, please, maybe. Yeah, that would be yeah. my my ask. That's on that list. We do need to make this list eventually. <laughs> because that would be on it. Is like, is everyone who leaves WWE or any other promotion, you know, is, are they attractive now? Are they fresh? And I'll even go further in the context of Colonel Parker. Is anyone who worked in WCW worth mentioning, worth bringing back to highlight just because they were in that? Not for ECW as well, for any company. Yeah, in the past, you know, you want to honor the past. But is everyone in the past worthy of, of airtime to be honored? Uh, that's the question no. you have to ask, I think. I think sometimes it's different with a smaller promotion like MLW. There's no sure. excuse. Like AEW would have no excuse. They should shut their doors if they're going to have a Colonel Parker just because – Everything they're claiming, you know, is is contrary to that. But hey, I, we shouldn't understand MLW because they have money. They're on TV on yeah. a, a small network, but they, you know, they're they're miles more advantage. They they hold many more advantages over most independent promotions or most uh, you know smaller promotions. So they they have some more options than most people. And I don't know. Yeah, this seems like more of a choice than a necessity that they just thought they had to do. So we'll see. Yeah, it fits their brand more maybe though because they're not claiming maybe. that. Like, fresh is the key word, AEW. MLW's not saying that. I suppose, yeah. But, I mean, it feels like they should be, though, because they've got a lot of opportunity to do that. But, um, oh, well, hindsight 2020, maybe. Yeah. And they got Tony in the booth, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I get, well, yeah, they, they want to have Jim Ross in AEW, so, you know, who knows. Um, yeah. And then we go to someone who was not uh, WCW-related. Um, we are in a promo with um Selena. But she is distracted. She's not paying attention. She says, can you say that again before walking away? She sees the world champion, Shane Strickland. She gets in his face. She does a whose house better than him. Uh, so now his gimmick is not even, he doesn't even do his catchphrase better. She says, whose house? Not your house. You know why? Because it's fucking Pentagon Dark's house. Like it's Lucha Underground. Yeah. Yeah, if only, I don't know if that'll be true or not, but it's uh, not, <laughs> it's not, it isn't, I know it's not, but uh, yeah, I don't know, I like the idea of this, it felt a little awkward, and I don't know why exactly, it's just something a little weird about the execution, but I like the idea, I like, I kind of like what Selena's doing so far, so I want to see more. I love these segments, I don't know, 
Like everybody likes different things, but these are the first segments I saw was her outside with. Do we get her outside too on this one? I don't What's think that? so. Okay, so she she has a couple of these segments with uh, Shane Strickland, and he's always himself, but you know you can't help that part. Uh, Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, I think he's they, outside. He's in a field in the middle of the night. For some, because this, I don't know, this is just what Jimmy Havoc does in his free time. He sits in the field at night. Um, he's glad he's gonna fight Joey Janela again, cause he's gonna learn something about himself. Uh, cause, cause it's gonna be violent. It's gonna teach him something. Uh, he says his name is not only his name. Uh, there will be havoc and there will be blood. He's going to lick Joey Janela and he's going to enjoy it. Um, this promo, I liked some things about it, and some things were weird. Like, I, he did say he was going to lick Joey Janela, and I don't know why he said that. So so there's some weird stuff here. This is where he's better than Sammy Callahan, though, because I oh, think he sure. would do. Like, he he's kind of gross. Like, he's kind of just, <laughs> ugh. But, you know, that's who he is. Like, he strikes me as that. He, I wrote down, he reminds me he would be a Death Eater in Harry Potter, but not one who stands in the front line. He'd be way <laughs> in the background, you know. Like you're not even getting perks. You don't even rub shoulders with Lord Voldemort, but you know you just you just kind of dig like licking licking the guy because they got an open wound and you're kind of just gross. Oh, accurate. Yeah, he would be like a side character Slytherin who only has like a few lines in all seven books, but yeah. then you've got like like fan fiction about him running off yes. on the sidelines for sure. <laughs> and those people are in some ways more dangerous because I get why. Uh, sure. Draco's pathetic father is in this group because, like, you want to be rich and famous and you want to stand next to this guy and you can't do shit on your own except argue with 12-year-olds and lose, lose the argument. <laughs> but, like, I'm more afraid of the dude in the background who's not even getting props and he's still going out there and then doing it for just just for the sport of it. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, there is something about Jimmy Havoc that is compelling. and I don't know. I just I can't get over his matches. But we'll see more of him and I, maybe he'll win me over. We'll see. I don't know what I'm looking at on the next page. It's Andrew or something. Okay, I, don't I don't know about that. Whoever their backstage interviewer is, is trying to talk to uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Tom Lawler and Simon Gotch. He's trying to go to their locker room, ask them about Lawler, like not really being injured and uh, all this stuff about their match. Gotch says that this is yellow journalism, which is a weird term. Uh, he says they're going to talk in the hall, but it's just a trick because they lock her out of the locker room. So... No interview for you, lady. Sorry. Yeah, she's not. She hasn't reached me in Gene level. I don't think she'll be with us much longer. Maybe <laughs> that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So. Oh, we need the MLW hotline for sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So next up, oh, Sammy Callahan. Yeah. Um. So we we are introduced to him by his playing with the props in the background and insulting like the the um production of MLW. Yeah, he's being, like, sarcastic about it, about, like, that they have funding, and I don't know. Like, none, none of this worked for me, because Sammy Helland doesn't ever really work for me. He says their ranking system is good because he can climb it, which is what everyone else has said. He says he likes to piss people off and ruin their day, and he doesn't care that MVP want to impress his son. And all, I just feel like he's trying so hard. Like, it's such a try-hard, and I could see... I could see every bit of the trying, and I don't know. He says, he doesn't care. He's the most hated man in pro wrestling. Thumbs up, thumbs down. And I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. So, yeah, I don't know. Sammy Callahan's a big goof as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and that's the opposite of even whether you like Jimmy Havoc or not. If you don't care, the person that doesn't care doesn't tell me that they don't care. That sounds like you care. Right. 
You know. You care that I know that you care or not, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like him mocking the production because number one, like, what's the point of it? And number two, it's just like, oh, you're watching a shitty show, and I'm on it because I'm a shitty performer, and this is shitty wrestling. <laughs> like, what? What? What's the, what's the uptake of that? I don't even yeah. know what. Yeah. And then like he gets into his. It irritates me because like a little section or hint of his voice when he changes it sounds a little bit like Eric Young, and all I was thinking is, sir, you'll never be Eric Young, so get that part out of your voice. Wish we had Eric Young. Oh, man, can you imagine in this role? (sighs) And the part that doesn't sound like Eric Young sounds like a non-performer playing wrestling, and (laughs) he's got nothing to tell me. He's got nothing to show me. Tony Schiavone gets it right when we come back. Pay attention to the second descriptor. (laughs) Tony Schiavone says, no question, Sammy Callahan is a sick, sad man. (laughs) And I was like, just get rid of sick, and we're there. He's pretty sad. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know incredible. if this is right because I just thought of this, but it almost feels like he's like a like a super discount CM Punk, and that he's just trying to be like snarky and unpleasant <sighs> at all times. But like nothing about what made Punk actually work is there, and I don't know. I don't know. Some people really like the guy, and you know, like more power to you. But you're gonna have to yeah. explain it to me because I don't get it. Enjoy what you enjoy. I will also say the CM Punk. Before CM Punk was the guy, he wasn't the guy, and afterward everyone you know went back to hating him because this is a, it's not a very likable character to portray. So like you better be fucking good, yeah, because people are waiting for you not to be. And so <laughs> if people don't even like CM Punk half the time, the fifteen thousand CM Punk knockoffs that are out there and they exist as a whole, so there's a whole lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like your your chances are not that good, right? <laughs> Um, it's a really uh yeah that's a hard a hard path to walk and actually succeed um yeah and oh god so the whole idea it's a hard sell because it's it's what we're just talking about so you live a lifestyle that's not like me because you're better than me but you're also just nonplussed and you don't care but then how do you convey that you do care because you got to convey that you do care for it to matter in the wrestling context and Sammy Callahan's way of telling is by telling you that he doesn't care. Right. <laughs> you know? Like sometimes WWE, um, sometimes their gimmicks hurt people, and sometimes their gimmicks help people. And to me, still to this day, forget that longest title reign at the time. To me, the best CM Punk was was when he was his, when he was the cult leader. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I that was so that. good. Mm-hmm. And that justified everything because now he's like a fucking prophet of what he's doing. So he would be out there talking about it. And then you got the images of these these weirdos that are following him and just watching them tells you, you know, what you need to know. But like a guy who kind of sucks talking about being in a low budget product and then telling you he doesn't care, like it's all trash. So like (laughs) you got a long way to go, kid. Yeah. And just you talking about weird followers makes me worry we're going to see uh, the Christs uh, in here. Um, his weird mini oh, clones no. that follow him around. So I guess we'll see if they show up or not. I think the big mistake is that a lot of the followers want to be the leader. And then, like, Sammy Callahan, maybe you should just be, like, a follower from afar off of someone else. Like, off screen. <laughs> you, know, you, might find, you might find your lane. That's the theme. <laughs> yeah. You can make the t-shirts off screen. <laughs> or just anything off screen. Yeah, anything. Whatever you want. <laughs> off screen. <laughs> uh, so the main event, such as it is, is Sammy Callahan versus MVP. And I got to admit, 
I was pretty sure this was going to suck before it even happened, so maybe I was biased against it, but man, I was not feeling this. Like, MVP, I was never that into MVP. At one time, he was sort of interesting, but even then, he wasn't that good, and now he's 45, and there are guys who can... We, we just talked about Aja Kong at 48. is like one of the best in the world, yeah. but man, MVP is every bit of 45. Um, I don't know. This was weird and contrived. And Callahan's, like, drooling and pulling faces. And maybe the most annoying thing is they wrestle this match, and you mentioned this a little bit before, they wrestle it like they're perfectly even the yeah. whole time. And I'm like, MVP is an old-ass man, and Sammy Callahan is supposedly a murder machine. This should be Sammy <laughs> Callahan, like, massacring MVP and him, like, desperately trying to use, like, his his veteran wiles to survive. But instead, nope, we're just, we're exactly the same. We're evenly matched mm. in everything we do. And it's so stupid. And Callahan's like swinging his bat and MVP is like badly catching it. And for some reason, it's not a DQ. And I don't know, there's a rough bum. And there's some big guy that I don't recognize. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't care about any of this. Uh, I don't know. This is this is one of the worst matches I've seen in a while. I thought so. This nah, this is just bad. MVP catches the bat with the side of his body and then wraps his arm around it, but it doesn't <laughs> hurt him because it's supposed to be a catch. So stupid. And this is what I hate about some of this style is also the fact that it's not just a lack of psychology. It's that what that means, like what 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 stands in the place of it. And it's like we we know that both guys always know what's coming next. So it's like. Whether I'm the guy who's on the offense or the guy who's not, I'm just as much a part of the thing that's happening as you. Like, we're doing this together. And so they'll, like, run at the same time or they'll be doing something at the same time. And it's just like, okay. Um, and for me, there was a part towards the end of the match. They had a little sequence that I really liked. Um, and that was the only thing I liked in the whole match. So, yeah, I think one little exchange. I can't stand the ref bumps to the excess, like excessive – Chris Jericho, I think, just knocks a referee down in that match with Omega at, like, the beginning of the match. Like, I mean, please go back. I just can't imagine anywhere <laughs> else. Like, we just had something in the NBA where, like, uh, two of the players on the Houston Rockets hate this referee. I didn't know this. They, like, there's years of them saying that they've had bad calls, and then he called their game versus the Lakers, and uh, the Lakers got double the uh, foul calls, and uh, two members of the Rockets fouled out and one got kicked out. And not, that was, like, a lot of bad shit, but not, nobody just walked up to him and, like, hit him with a chair or punched him in the face. <laughs> because that's a pretty, that's a pretty like, I'm not saying it could never happen, but there's a fucking line, and it's got to be hard to cross. Yeah, it really kind of means nothing. I mean, you really don't want to be imitating, like, 1999 Randy Savage and, like, beating up no. five refs per match. Like, that's the last thing you should want to be. <laughs> why are the referees agreeing to come back as referees, and why is whoever your management is just like, oh, well, you know, it's part of the job that the, ref the wrestlers attack you. You know, like... <laughs> right. You know, so then when they pin... Like, so why... <clears throat> Let's say that I am the guy who beats you up every match, and then you count a three count. Do I care that you count? Why don't I just keep wrestling? Like, what the hell does your three count matter? Right, yeah. And this is just more of the, oh, this is such bullshit. It's cliche, like base, like you said, baseball bat. And, you know, he hits him full on the body, but he catches it. But if it had been the other <laughs> way, it would have, like, his kidneys would have. Right, like, the know. full impact obviously hit you, but because you, like, put your arm on it, 
not yeah. even in the way, but just like on it in a way that was not related to anything. I don't know. It just nothing. I. It's like this weird language, which is so disconnected from anything authentic. And yeah, yeah like, oh, MVP is like this old veteran who wants to impress his sons. I really can't stress enough <laughs> how much it bothered me that that because there was a way to make this work i really think there was um but yeah no it's just like these guys are the same even though their characters like dictate that they should be totally different but they're so even all the time and it drives me up the wall i hate that that's a good point and their styles are different like their ages are different their styles are different their their motivations and goals are different and none of that look it doesn't transfer different i don't get it one of the worst things for wrestling i think is when Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko had those, like, famous matches in ECW and stuff, and they, like, were doing the same moves at the same time, and then they, like, had a standoff. And that was great because it was the first time it happened, and now I feel like almost all of wrestling has the mindset of that one sequence, and it drives me nuts. I hate that stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of things I hate. Because so. <laughs> then, like, where, where everyone's got to hit their finishers and you kick out of them, yeah. You know, I was thinking the Jericho Omega match was almost over, and I was like, oh, they haven't done that part yet. And then they got to that part, and I was like, okay, yeah. now it can end, and then it did. That's another trope that I, it didn't happen in this match. I don't no. think, I don't remember, but yeah, no, I hate that when it's like, what does he have to do to pin yeah. it? Well, maybe do your finisher, you idiot. Yeah, you, know, you, you need like English yet. commentary. You're sitting I could... there crying because like one of your basic moves didn't. Oh, I hate that too. When you try yeah. to pin somewhere it doesn't work, then you have to like literally go cry about it for a minute before you do anything else. Yeah, and the guy who kicks out just holds his kick out hand, paws in the air while you like. <laughs> Stare at the camera. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. These people grew up watching, uh, and I know you love the guy, but it's like, it's the Shawn Michaels effect. Because he oh, was yeah. really good at stuff like that. Like, he would do it at a time when it worked, and, you know, he would get the crowd going with it. And everyone watches that. Oh, I could do that. Guess what? No, you can't. It's stupid, you know? I got a little bit of Bret Hart in me in that it's hard to watch anyone do what Shawn Michaels did because you're all. all Bret Hart is forever going to be great in his lane. Shawn Michaels is forever going to be trying to, like, change and transform the sport. Right. And there, there might be three of those out of five that you're like, you fucking revived things with what you did. And the other two might be, that's a fucking abomination that's going to hurt us for a long time. <laughs> yep, sure. You know, and all that can be true. Yep, absolutely. And it is, like, these fucking hangovers. And these guys are supposedly, and they are in a lot of ways, they're so in, inventive and... You know, game changing and what they're doing, but yet still we got let's then let's run back into the trope. So yeah, and then it's hard for someone like me when I don't necessarily like a lot of new stuff or the old stuff. Like you brought in the old stuff I don't like, you kicked out the stuff I did like, and then you, <laughs> you know right, yeah. Instead of the authenticity and the grit, instead we have yeah, just like kind of mimicking stuff that worked before, and you you don't even understand it really. Uh, you know, not in a way that actually works. So I don't know. I don't get it. I will say too, Aja Kong hit a Bobby Roode moment where she just stood in the corner and made the opponent crawl back into it. She didn't have to run and keep the action going. She just stood there. Yeah. You can crawl your way back to me, or you don't have to. You know, like just just do your own. There's got to be, and this is this will be interesting because they they pretend. Or they truthfully put forth, who knows? They really want to make it about the individual at, at AEW. But all individuals are a product of the society that they're in, the history that they're in, so on and so forth. Mm. So number one, will they allow it? 
And number two, if everyone's so steeped in the same styles, even if you allow 50 individuals to be themselves, you still have like three styles out of that. <laughs> or will you have a lot? You know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> but I mean, I, I want to see some variety. And then this match was bad. Uh, the shows have gone, uh, they've gotten worse, I think, with each edition. <laughs> Sad but true, yeah. I think one thing is, we get, I think we get Pentagon and Shane Strickland on episode six, so that, that'll be the next, I think, big world title match. Did you see the final segment on this show? Uh, yes, I, I definitely did. Um, you know, Shane Strickland, he's backstage, he feels very confident. He's gonna hold the title as long as his heart is beating. Mm. Which is a bold statement. Um, <laughs> he walks off. He goes to his dressing room, but something shocks him. We look and we see someone set up a death shrine for him with like Ooh. pictures of him scratched out and creepy imagery and candles and stuff. And uh, looks like this is a message either from Pentagon or from Selena on behalf of Pentagon. And we don't know what exactly yet that means, but uh, definitely seems to forebode for Strickland. So yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to Pentagon versus Strickland. I think even though I haven't been wild about Strickland, I think he can do very well in the right circumstances, and Pentagon is usually the right circumstances for anyone. Yeah, I thought that was a really good segment because I you got it. you go from just two human beings, like you got an announcer and wrestler walking around the back. That's his casual, and everything Strickland does is casual because he only talks in that way, <laughs> you know. And he's being confident, and he opens that door. And this is why you got like each character be who they are because he crosses into a world that is does shouldn't even the, the world should not exist together except you got someone who's making them exist like it's so like, what he went to record a sit down interview he went to the bathroom he went to get food and someone's running in and setting up a death shrine in your locker and that's not cool you know <laughs> fucking boundaries man but. It also says, like, and I didn't catch that, but like what you said, uh, yeah, you might be champion as long as your heart's beating, but, you know, there might be somebody that's coming for more than your belt. Yep. So, good stuff. I like the way the show ended. Me too, yeah. It's funny, because, like you said, the episodes are getting worse, but I'm still excited to, like, watch more of the show, and maybe just because I know that, like, good things happen later on, maybe just because I like a lot of the people involved, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's just because I love watching a weekly product, even when yeah. it's not strong every week. But yeah, I don't know. I'm still excited about MLW, even though I think they've uh, made some missteps here and there. Yes. And that's why this is the Legacy series. So, I mean, I would say at least every five episodes, we really need to you know check in with this thing to see where it's going. And it's, it's kind of cool in a way because they don't have access. They don't have a lot of shows. So I do think sometimes we're getting their Nitro Sometimes we're getting their Saturday night. Sometimes we're getting their power hour. Sometimes we're getting their main event. But so there's something that's okay. Like we both liked uh, the Dirty Blondes segment. You know, it's just kind of a build. But then there is like a lot. I think a lot of missed opportunities and a lot of it's really just the best you can do with your hour. You really think you're doing the best you can do. And then Sammy Callahan was on the show. I think three times. Right. So right. you know. But yeah, we're 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 working towards it. Um, the next big world title match, like I said, seems to be episode six. The next episode we are with you is episode four, um, of ML Fusion, the Legacy series. Indeed, uh, and I think that episode might be better, but uh, I don't know. we'll just have to wait and see. I'm interested. I'm looking forward to 
I'm never. I'm probably not gonna pay off at all. But like Barrington Hughes is on my mind a lot. <laughs> like, are you gonna get him up on an opponent or not? I don't know. I, he asked. You know, he's been around. I think I. I kind of skip over these, but they do like MLW's coming to New York or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like Barrington Hughes is is featured in those, so he'll be around. I think. Um, and I'm interested too because he's a he's an unknown to me. I know most of these guys coming through, but there's some people, you know, I don't know them. I don't know if it's because they're not good and they don't get booked, or maybe they're just still up and coming. Maybe it's somebody MLW discovered. I don't know. So it's it's an interesting uh, question mark. I'm yeah. curious, too. I want to see more of this this weird guy. You don't see many of these, like, Mabel types around anymore, not. so we'll see what he can do. Just from a storyline standpoint, too, is because, like, you got a top ten. That's, that's really cool, but, like, are you going to keep a guy at number ten because you're just not going to let him wrestle? Yeah, sure. Like, let him wrestle number nine, see what happens. You know, yeah. put him on TV. It's tough maybe when you only have three matches every week. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever. That's what you got, so let's see what you can do with it. His matches don't take up much time, though. Yeah, that's true. You could probably do four with him <laughs> on there for sure. Get Sammy Callahan out of this company is the first thing. I wish they would, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be in for the long haul. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I barely get to see Pentagon matches, and I won't watch that match no matter how much people talk about it. <laughs> I've been don't. curious as well, but I have not checked it out, kind of for the same reason. I just I, I find it really hard to imagine I would invest that much in Sammy Callahan. Um, is he calls himself the draw, and he's like the anti-draw uh, to me, which is, yeah. So. Again, that's like, I don't care. Yeah, you do care. <laughs> I don't care, but I'm the draw no, no, also. No, you, so, yeah. you don't draw, <laughs> you know. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Just do the opposite. It's the opposite of what he's saying. I feel there's a company in Chicago or in Illinois, I guess, that runs uh, shows with a lot of t- like they, they they book Pentagon and Phoenix a lot. They book a lot of guys that I would like to see, but Sammy Callahan is like their constant main eventer, and I just I went to one show and he wrestled like two times, and I'm like, man, I'm just not interested in wow. this guy. So I don't know. It's tough. Um, yeah, that's AAW. You you can check them out too if they want. They're probably yeah. closer to you than they are to me. But yeah, I don't know. I I kind of wanted to go back, but I never have. So maybe that tells you something. I'm very subjective to moods and atmospheres too, and so like he brings a certain atmosphere and is not an appealing one to me. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah, I will look into that, and we will we'll see if Sammy Callahan has three or fewer appearances on the next show maybe judge it accordingly <laughs> he's not booked to wrestle at least so. do you know what the card is uh yeah i do you want me to run it down yeah cool uh first up we have uh, ach taking on tom lawler for real this time it's gonna be a, a payoff from this week so i like that they're moving that story forward i like we get kind of a second part of a story um we have uh oh we have the fred yehai MJF match that we actually already watched for ah. Convince Me, and I, that was a good one. We get his promo about how it's hard to have, like, a beautiful wife and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. good. Uh, and then the main event um, is probably the least exciting to me. It's Jimmy Havoc wrestling Joey Janela, as promised. Uh, and it doesn't say no DQ or anything. Maybe he'll do some stuff anyway, but, man, a straight match between those two is not that appealing to me. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll surprise me. We will see. Okay, so I can see that show going one way or the either way. <laughs> what the 2002 to 2004 seemed very hardcore ECW-ish, and maybe they're going to be more in that lane than I don't want them to be. But you know, they're going to be who they're going to be. I don't know 
if they were or not, because, yeah, they had, like, some ECW people, but they also used a lot of the Ring of Honor talent from yeah. that time. There was actually kind of, like, a controversy between the two companies of some kind, um, which is part of why MLW didn't run shows for, like, 15 years. So, mm. so I don't know. They, they've got some different parts of their history. I don't know okay. what will come to the fore. Definitely some hardcore stuff seems like it's going to be incorporated. Whether that will be good or bad remains to be seen. Absolutely, and we will keep you posted. We will keep on providing MLW, the Legacy Series, uh, episodes 1 through 42 of Fusion. <laughs> I like every time you mention that, so we have a nice cutoff point. Yes. I, just keep I won't be able to know I'm not quitting. Feedback. I'm not disappearing at 42. This is what I signed up for. Right, yeah, that, that's a good point. To, uh, we're not going to get caught again in a product that, that, that kills our souls. Yeah. WCW. <laughs> it's the perfect... Um, I think it's perfect because two belts change hands, and the the belts don't change hands all the time. So, forty two kind of in some errors, and that's, and that's cool. But also, there might be people watching who you know don't get a lot of MLW talk, and they might really enjoy this. But I don't want them to think, oh, oh I got MLW for the rest of forever. You got forty two episodes, you know. And we're gonna make the best of it. I, yeah, it works for me, you know, honestly. And I, I don't know, who knows what the future of MLW is. I thought I heard somewhere they were kind of maybe having some problems. They mm. moved to a worse time slot on their channel. Uh, obviously, we know that a lot of people are getting signed up to contracts. They're going to take them out of yeah. MLW. That's already happened to a lot of people. I don't know. They could they could be a company that gets lost in kind of the, the, the upsurge of wrestling. Um, yeah. But who knows? I mean, I'm interested, though. I want to see what happens to them. Absolutely. So a lot of good, a lot of good, a lot of bad, but it's not a, it's not a stable time right now. Right. Yeah. And I, I want to say again, I appreciate so much. We have just like a weekly product with our characters. There's some stories going on. And that's just special to me. You know, I've watched a lot of like super indie companies where it's just like uh, two big names will wrestle each other. And that's just kind of like one and done. And it doesn't really like follow through to the next show. And that, you know, that could be fun. You can see some cool stuff, but there's something really special to me about a company that is telling stories, that is having history and continuity, that that's the best of wrestling to me. Yeah, you can't do a legacy series if they're not building legacies. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We'll you probably know. never do PWG the legacy series. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's different things, but yeah, this will be a legacy. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to really thinking about maybe 10 episodes in, 20, 30, 40. Like, who's been MVP so far? Like, who, what's been the best matches? What have we liked the best? What's bothered us the most? You know, really building that legacy out. I got a, a secret for you. So far, the MVP is Pentagon. So, <laughs> man, the bet, that that first match, you know, that's so good. Yeah, that's I'm one way stars, way above anything else they've done. Actually, I got a feeling a lot of reality is the fact that you know they wrestle so many places. Right? Yeah, I mean, it helps. Um, yeah, but I like I mean the I mean for the good of that, but also the negative is that's probably why you don't see them for four times, and then they, you know. You can't really build a company so much around them, I don't think. And yeah, I mean, with their business model, I don't know if you can build a company around anybody, really. Um, yeah. So that could be Good a drawback. Point. That could be a bad part of their legacy. But I don't know. We'll see. I love it. You can't beat that Pentagon. That's a good way to start that first oh. show. So good. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to wrestle again at some point, And nice. I really want to see that. So. Okay. Hopefully Phoenix, you know. No comment. We'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, that that's definitely our time. Uh, we always think, oh, we're gonna have a short episode this week, and we never yes. do. That's fine. We're we're having a good time with this. So. Absolutely. 
Um, thanks everyone for listening. If you want to shout us out, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Spectral Gen. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Talk to me about all this stuff or anything. Uh, check out the other great programs on LOP Radio. We got Kingdom of Honor talking about some other stuff outside WWE, of course. The Global Revolution, hosted by myself and my good buddy Jeff, talking about even more stuff outside the WWE. And then nationally, you got the Doc Says coming back, talking about some New Japan and uh, WWE as well. Perfect 10 Wrestling, right side of the pond. Perfect. Uh, no way. What's the other one? Sports Entertainment is dead. I think that's all of them. Um, also, check out lordsofpain.net and lopforums.com for a lot of great written material. Uh, as you mentioned, we talk about tons of stuff. The Fatal Luch Underground uh, is one topic to talk about. We also got a writing tournament going on right now that is well worth checking out. Uh, so come in, join the conversation, be part of that. It's lopforums.com. A lot of great stuff going on. So that is everything. We will be back next week with... Everything we've talked about today and more, it's going to be great, so please join us then. Until next time, maybe this goes out to all the free agents of present and future. Don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature. Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books Or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared the undiscovered creature on and on and on and on and on on and on with green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature